What's up, everybody? It's Greasy here. We had some technical difficulties on the pod this week. It was pretty funny. It just, Pro Tools kept crashing on us, and uh, we would stop and start again. So uh, some of that audio is left in. Some of it I cut out because we just went on these weird tangents about things that you couldn't understand if you weren't in the room. So uh, for the most part, though, all still there. So don't go worrying about it because we clearly didn't. I wanted to be a famous musician. This is this is and prime stuff. So let's just start. Okay, totally. Totally. Let's just start. Totally. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I the pod, it's, it started. The yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. This podcast. is the yeah. This yeah. is the podcast. Um, all right. So uh, today we got Jason LaRocca <laughs> joining us. Uh, Jason is probably one of my favorite stories of the music industry because it's a story of pivots, right? Mm. You know, it's like a lot of like, okay, now what? You know, and. Um, we met, I, I honestly don't really, I think we met at Larrabee, right? Was it at Larrabee? We met at Larrabee at uh, Schnee Schnee. Yeah, 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 in, in Schnee's studio. Schnee's studio. Yeah. Um, working on this little movie, uh, Tina Fey movie. Which right, right, the war one. I think at the, the time it was, it was called American Reporter, I think was like the code name when we were working on it, but it was Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Right. It's like a, it was, it was funny, it was a good movie, but it was kind of, it's just a it's a weird one it's a weird one i think it was a timing little serious. Of it was weird too because it was yeah. like we were definitely i mean how I'm long not ago the, was this like what year was yeah this? this was like six years ago i think yeah, yeah. that sounds about yeah. right about I, six, I couldn't really seven years remember ago, yeah six seven years yeah. ago it was yeah. like right after i had worked for alex the kid and larabee i talked about this before yeah. larabee was in this situation of um they didn't have any because larabee's not like a tracking studio yeah. so they didn't yeah. have anybody that knew how to do any of that yeah. stuff and amy who was the manager then reached <laughs> out to me funny. and was like hey we got this big string thing and yeah. it's like and yeah. that's a, the funny thing too is like i'm sure you've encountered this a lot where it's like anytime there's a movie thing happening it's a string thing like totally. it's not actually you know i think yeah. that one they did a uh, we did a whole bunch of like it wasn't string. weird guitar shit we and did like, oh so we did a little woodwind overdub thing we'd actually did a percussion session which was right. super who was sick the percussion? it was um it was brian kilgore brian kilgore right who was, yeah 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 uh, who's an amazing absolute legend yeah absolutely um, Amazing. But he came in with fucking boxes right. of stuff. Yeah. Like he the entire room was filled with his stuff. His own percussion yeah. Yeah. Like repertoire. Just boxes and boxes Dude, of like crazy stuff. Yeah. And he had this. You're not thing. a real percussion guy unless you have a van full of random. Well, he shakers. has all the stuff that's like custom made out of weird ground. Right. And it's sure. Right? And he's the type of guy too that you're like, yeah, we're looking for this sound here. And he's like, Oh, I got just the right thing for that. You yeah, know? He's like, and he like, give me, like, give me two he, seconds. He and picks it's like, up some like, and it's like weird, you just see stuff flying over his shoulder. He'll just have like a face and he'll be like watch this dude that's so real <laughs> if you're into antique collecting and you yeah. can't decide what you want to do in music yeah percussion percussion yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah. collect really a bunch of random shit, shit. <laughs> so so he has literally warehouses full of stuff Crazy. by the way and Crazy. he's and if you and if you go to his website this is like you know i'm not getting paid to plug brian kilgore but he is a legend <laughs> not that but, he needs it <laughs> no i know seriously but he has on his website all these videos of all this crazy stuff. I mean, he has like stuff that's like, he has all the cool stuff like glass marimbas and like really cool, but he has this marimba made of slate tiles, like roof tiles, wow. and they're cut all specifically sure. to be sure. the right pitches. 
but they're 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 tile roof tiles yeah. basically. So that it, you know, he's. I bet it sounds killer. It I'm sounds really really cool. Sound, yeah. It sounds really really yeah. cool. But he said it's also really really delicate and that yeah, because if you short. if you chip any of it, that's out of tune. And, and then the and tuning is, is sure screwed. Easy to chip. Easy it's to super break. easy to chip, and he said like the traveling of it's like really hard. So he has like a home studio where he likes to keep it most of the time because if it travels, it's sure. it's really susceptible to breaking. But when he came into that session, he brought not that, but like all this other crazy stuff. He had one that was made of car parts that he called a. Uh, Dude, I love it. Yeah, I know. It was like all these little <laughs> all round the oh, it was It was a disc tree. Will, while you're back there, will you make sure I hit record? I know yeah, I did, I but oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I'm I questioning see, my I life see pink. now. I see, I see right. pink. Can you tell how serious this is? I love this. I love this. Like you, you go, you go through all like the nice studios and like the great lobby, and then you come up to here. It's just like TZO a couple weeks ago. Cables hanging and stuff. Have you guys, you guys thought about doing this in any anywhere else? It's like really bright fluorescent light. Like it seems like an interrogation. It's like suddenly anywhere in East West. There are a bunch of beautiful multi-million dollar studios, and we're up here in the Bachelor Cave. Totally, the Bachelor Cave is like. Who are so, these guys? I, like I don't know. I who think let it's them a part in? of what makes us <laughs> I have cool. no idea who we they are. We don't care. We came all the way here. We're going to do it up here. I love and it. And we hung this. I, this Dude, yeah. nothing is more college dorm no. than yeah, this, this is, right here. And you know it's freaking really This is a guy who couldn't figure out how to decorate. It, just, it, it's probably it needs old to say sheets. spin doctors across the side of it. And then, <laughs> and it's, sure then it's perfect. It smells like sweat and, and uh, human. It's, it's very funny. Uh, I have somebody editing the first season video right now. And he's like, and he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, check out these perspectives and let me know. And it's like, it cuts to you and there's just this big empty box over here and like it just looks like we're in a warehouse and I'm like this is so funny to me like I hope people understand how oh, so absolute... this was this was in an attempt to like look better on something on yeah, camera. yeah because yeah. this is just a whisper right. booth behind right, right. us so yeah. if I can say I think wall, something you know? about it looks charmingly worse yeah, you know what I mean, like, yeah. It could, we, I think in a way, I'll tell you what's weird about it is because you guys didn't quite get it to where it doesn't even go to the edge of the <laughs> no, door. It's no, actually no, doing yeah. its job. There's like a little bit of black. To me, yeah. it's giving uh, white seventeen-year-old girl who's into burning incense totally, and, yeah. and yeah, toying yeah, yeah, with yeah. some world traveling. For sure, yeah, but for sure, for dad sure. really has. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. It's just from this you know. This is it's somebody the the guy who was editing the podcast asked me he was like so you know maybe we could get like a third camera so I don't have to like do all these weird cuts and stuff so what do you, and he's you like have, so is it one no we have two we're doing two oh, okay uh, which is you can see they're barely different angles so it's like <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna think say about I was like the, what's the like because they're both pointed in one direction yeah pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. you guys yeah, so sort of gets this you guys are so legit yeah, yeah, sort of gets this so legit I love yeah it. we'll we, consider that next time. Uh, we I mean, we don't even. I, I, there's no headphones hooked up. But I haven't even listened to what this sound like. We did this one podcast in the beginning that was uh, we had 77s up, and the only reason I know is because I saw it yesterday. I saw someone uh, comment that too. Yeah, and it's like we have the 77s up, which is like ridiculous. You yeah, know, yeah. like with they're like literally the 77s from the mamas and the papas and the pet sound sessions and shit. And then like Shane, like three or four times, like leans in all clear and like he gets all distorted and shit. And people are like, "Hey, uh, Shane's a little distorted. Like, do you think we?" give a shit like I spend all day every day thinking about the banal minutia of fucking recording sure. I'm not doing it on my oh, podcast so like good. I'm not putting <laughs> any more effort 
than plugging the shit in I, and turning it it's up. It's become such a self-aware thing that I think at this point it's just the brand too. Yeah. Like yeah. we could try. We now we we're learning no, these but lessons. But the brand is but not why trying. Would we? Yeah. 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 Why would we yeah. not? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I want to go back because I'm still I, I we almost started asking <laughs> We've questions. We've gone off in camera. nine directions. I was reprimanded for trying to get to know you before you, the show started. We do this every time. That's true. Yeah, I usually, every, I'm usually in trouble. How many times during an episode do I have to say well, that thing we were talking about earlier? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before I, that when I wasn't allowed to talk. Um, okay, Larrabee, is that Jason's? Whose spot is that? That's Manny's. Uh, Manny's. Oh, Manny's. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Manny's. Manny's spot. Okay. Jason Joshua Jason, was there for a while, okay. but yeah. then he uh, left, and I don't know where he's at now. I think he's at somewhere, but he left, and now well, Manny I just. I think he's at home now. Oh, really? I think so. I, I mean, I'm I just trying you. to hear the completion of the story. So, Percussion session. Okay. At well, anyway, we met Who at are Larrabee. You? That's that's yeah. We met at Larrabee. What's but going on? Right my now? story goes back, you know. Decades yep. before, let's, I, let's, you know, yeah, I'm, and let's, let's get I'm an that old because man. That to me is like really interesting because you started in a band. Like yeah. you are not. Yeah, you're, yeah. You, most people, when you think, especially when you think about like someone who is a score mixer, yeah. you know, like you, yeah. you don't think that background. You're like you're, you're not, not just a me band, in a real punk time band. learning your like, score I, I mixer. Just, I didn't go to school. You know what I mean? Like sure. I was, yeah. I was just basically like, you know, I'm, I want to go travel and be in a punk band. I didn't even really want, like, I didn't even know what the fuck that meant. You know what I mean? Sure, like, I right. was just like, you know. Just the sentiment of it. Yeah. Like, it was hell like, yeah. You know, we were skateboard kids and we would see, you know, videos and go to local LA shows and stuff like that. And like, we knew that, that rock bands were, were cool and, and wanted to see what it was like to be. Did you in, skate, by the way? One, yeah, of you course. You skated? Hell yeah. Did Absolutely. you ever, speaking of the phrase skateboard kid, yeah. did you ever see the movie Skateboard Kid? No. No. Okay. This would be a great connection. Had no, you no, seen no. It. It's the most <laughs> obscure no, I saw, random I saw late Gleaming 80s the movie. Cube, which okay. is like, have you seen Gleaming the Cube? No, but I've heard of it. Come on. No, I'm sorry. Dude, that, I'm, it's, it's a miss. But if you skate, I skated no, too. No, no. Personally, it's I grew up Slater. on the Powell Bones Brigade videos and everything. Sure, exactly. And that sure. was like exactly. that. Yeah, was yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. my yeah. era of shit. Bones Brigade. Uh, you know, searching for uh, what's his name's uh, Chen Animal Chen. Oh right. Yeah. Which was like the first skateboard movie where there was like a script. Yeah, and like they were acting and yeah, like saying yeah, yeah. lines and stuff like that, but it was like you know all the music that was on the skateboard videos was like you know Operation Ivy, right, and like yeah, it's like right. cool, you know we're like what is this shit? For real, skate videos had the best. All the great shit. That's how you yeah. found out about it because it was like you know this none of this was playing on radio. Yeah, for, so the for way sure. we found out about it was walking into skate shops and whatever was playing on the radio, radio or whatever, sure, like yeah, CD yeah. or a record or whatever, was how we found out about these bands, and then we'd go see them play in LA. And oh, so you grew up here? In yeah, LA? yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I was I was born in Hollywood in, in a little bungalow, oh, and nice. that's wow. that's now like an apartment building. Of yeah, sure, sure. And it's probably like it's so rare as you know. Now it feels like almost no one is from here. <laughs> no, ever. Yeah, so I, I think I know one guy yeah. who's who's actually from my here. girlfriend's from Simi Valley. So <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> I know one guy. He's ten. Yeah, the one and guy. I have, he's ten. Here. He I lives made with him because I was trying to find him. We joke. I'm sure. Well, you're from here, so this doesn't count for you. But my kids will be from here. But we're not from here. You know what I mean? Totally. It's the funniest thing. Yeah. We met a guy. So we're we're, we're going to talk about something meaningful we'll eventually. eventually. <laughs> we'll, we'll come around. We're moving it, here. Yeah. That's what when it started hitting me. We were looking at a house who was owned by a guy. And I was like, where are you from? And he was yeah. like, oh, I'm from St. Louis. He had moved here from St. Louis 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And still he, he wouldn't utter... That he, he was, was from, from here. LA, totally. yeah. No one's from here. You know what no. I mean? Even if you've been here for a long time. So that's bizarre to me that my kids will be from here. Yeah. But I'm not. I'll never yeah. be from here. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bizarre thing. The second they can leave the house, I'm sure they'll they'll leave Los Angeles. But yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. But then they'll grow up and they'll get a little older and then, then they'll be happy to claim. Absolutely. Oh, I was from, yeah, I'm yeah, from I'm LA. From LA. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Forever that'll be a little 
born and raised in Hollywood. One hundred percent. One of one of the few guys. But you know, so we had obviously the music culture and the skateboard culture and all that shit just right. growing up with it. And then we were in a bunch of different random bands, and eventually one of them was this band called The Briggs that was like a punk band that we just kind of found ourselves hanging out with like other punk bands that we really loved and admired, like Rancid, and we'd be hanging, because like they were recording like down the street in Hollywood, you know, they had that, Epitaph had that um, recording studio on, on Sunset Boulevard, I forget the name of it, but it was like all the fucking Epitaph bands recorded there. And so we would just be hanging out there and meeting all these bands and then, you know, showing them our demos and stuff like that. And we just eventually ended up on tour with this band called Madcap, which was uh, a band on Side One Dummy Records. And they took us on like little like two week tour or whatever. And like we had a van that Killer. broke down. Yeah. Like There's halfway. nothing better than a tour we, van tour. We, so, we've definitely done this like, hey man, you remember the van days stories oh on God. here? Because so, like it's just such a common best, trope for everybody. The worst yeah. and the best. Yeah. Because right. like at True. the time it was the worst. Yeah. But now it's so fun to talk about. Right. Yeah. Because 100%. it was like, what the fuck were we doing? We, we got this like $800. Uh, Vandura, which had like you know upholstered seats and and no working air conditioner, right? And oh, so yeah. we in Southern California, and we didn't have a trailer, so all the gear was literally in, in the back, back yeah. of the van. You're talking inside. about the where you, did you put it in the backpack or did you put it in the middle? In the back, we took back. out our middle seats. No, no, no. Okay. We we kept the middle seats. I always want to hear people's techniques. Shoved it all <laughs> in the very back, which was like you know three feet of depth, and it was like right. we had combo amps, so it was like all just sure. sort of perfectly Rubik's cube yeah, Tetris into yeah. the into the back of the van so we went on this two-week tour and in our drive to el paso the the transmission broke in half Jesus. and we had yeah Naturally. so and it was like you know we had yeah, of course you had plenty of which money. is like we a solid 20 it. hour drive it was a thousand dollars or whatever it was in in some like you know beat down you know transmission place in the middle of nowhere yeah. and calling our parents you know right. to borrow money and it was just such a embarrassing you know, sob and, story. And this isn't like, even this isn't a time you know, where you can just Venmo. It was that like shit. two days it's like in complicated on our first tour, <laughs> and it was like here we are, this is this is it. This you know, earning it. our stripes. So you know, we were we were oddly enough very hooked on on the uh, we we had fun. It was like sure. we were we were into it. We were in. I was gonna say you said it's the worst and the best. It, it was really truly was, it but was it was like, always a blast. It was just like well, we see all these other bands like doing really well and succeeding and having shows full of 400 people, there's got to be some sort of light at the end of this crazy, yeah. wild shit show. It has right? to be possible yeah. to make a living doing this. There has to be. And, but like, what we came to find is that it always costs money. Every single dime you ever make goes right back into the band. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't fucking matter. It's like we managed ourselves. We tour managed ourselves. Sure. We teched ourselves. Like everything but the work ethic and and what we came to learn from doing that actually quote unquote professionally was was like something that i think in some ways was better than school cuz it was sure. it was it was like a real life sure. you know yeah it's on the job program. experience yeah absolutely and it was like how do you figure out how to you know make a guitar amp work without any formal training of how it works you know yeah, it's right. like you sit yeah. there and hope you don't get electrocuted but you have to figure it out yeah. it's like you have a show that day and yeah and i've definitely on. blown out my fair share of speaker cabs you yeah. know like yeah. not doing any of yeah. the matching of impedance or level <laughs> just fuck it so many fucking crazy ass you know stories like that that are just like you know we had no idea what we were doing constantly, and we're just figuring it out. And then eventually, it was like, okay, six years into touring, 
I was kind of like, damn, this is just going to keep going like this. Like, I eventually got kind of burnt out on sure. just doing it. Nine Real quick, and a half though, if you did it for six years, it must there must have been like some fun in there, like some success. Yeah, you did some warp tour. There was a uh, lot of cool shit. Incredible. Like we, we yeah, played, yeah, we played warp tour a bunch of times, and that's how we like we met like Bad Religion, we met uh, Dropkick Murphys, Love that. Uh, all these Killer. bands we yeah. went on on tour with uh, Floggy Molly. And then we kind of became like their buddies, and we went on on like all their European tours and right. US like, tours. Lots of fun. So like yeah. you know, yeah, once there's we definitely got to that something. Level, once you get like friends with bands, like it's the 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 drive is to always try and keep those same people because you bring another band in and they're a fucking mess, and then you're like, yeah. oh shit, man, we fucked up. Like yeah. Yeah, we yeah. need to have somebody who we like yeah. and who is fun to be around, but also shows up and takes care of their shit yeah. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I think any any big band that's like super successful has a lot of them probably have those stories of like they got on some tour with a bigger band because they were cool. Right. You know what I mean? And like they were hanging out with, yeah, yeah, a good hang. You know what I mean? Like Chili Peppers, you know, like those guys were just like wild punks. You know what I mean? And it was like they got out on tour with, you know, the bigger bands and like eventually that was like people came and discovered them and figured out who they were. And... It, but it, it kind of just, I don't know, it, it ran its course for me. And I was trying to figure out, well, what's my next move? What's my next step? You know, because like 2008 was just one of those changing points in the music industry where it was like the CD was dead, yeah. basically officially. Yeah. You know, gas prices were at the time very expensive at yeah. like, at like $3.50 <laughs> $3. or something oh like God. that. And it was like <laughs> astronomical to pay for gas to go anywhere in a bus or in a van. And it was like, well, how do we make money? And the only way to make money was to just continually play shows and maybe even do like a, an in-store appearance during right. the day and try and make some money there too. And it was just like full-on hustle. Yeah. Sure. And for very little return. For very little return. And then the other thing too was like, I was getting kind of fatigued by things too, like the sound level being in venues sure, constantly sure. was starting to get to And this me. is, you're brutal. probably not it was in-earing it. I'm sure everything stayed monitored. I tried monitors. to. Because like I well no I didn't do ear in ear monitors we weren't you know we weren't making enough money to right do that's that, what I'm saying yeah. so everything was stage wedges monitors and wedges, stage and wedges shit. Yeah. yeah yeah and you know whenever I'd put earplugs in it was never felt the right. same it's it's it so sucked. hard to do it like that for you sure know, I want I felt like I wasn't into it and I couldn't not a vibe I yeah. couldn't feel okay. it and and I tried to play shows like that and always they fucking ended up out of my ears right. like, like yeah. ha- even if I started the first song that way it was right. like fuck this sh- these yeah. things have to yeah. come out yeah. and so I was just like ah damn like how can I sustain this right like how am I gonna be 45 or 50 jumping around on stage you know stage diving into crowds because like that was like what we were doing like it was it was a wild thing it was like right. it was a punk band right. so it was like we weren't just up there with acoustic guitars you know sure. like where it's like yeah. oh we could do this for a long time yeah it was yeah. like we were screaming as loud as we could yeah. we were thrashing as hard as we could and it's like that's that's it's got where am i going with this yeah. Yeah. you know so i mean that, i remember at uh like 25 or whatever when my band had to split because of you know uh or we had like some a whole backstory mm-hmm. our people know it but anyway when our band split like it was like man i'm too old then at, yeah. at 25 i was like i'm too old to start again and like do all this shit and it's like waking up after a night of head banging and like and like jamming you're like physically yeah it's like killed. it is actually a lot more <laughs> damaging than you could ever imagine to 
yeah. be in a band like that where you're thrashing around and playing and, well, and like it's not like an intentional act or anything. You're not up there thinking I got a headbang. You're just doing no, it. No, no, you just do it. And then like later you like, damn, bro, yeah. like I went hard last night. Yeah. Like no. I was yeah. and the better show you had, the worse you felt the next day. So hundred percent. I mean, it's like I would I actually hyperextended my knee several times on stage. Jeez. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. basketball yeah. injury. I had I had a microphone thrown at my face and was like had it cut open. Yeah, um, I've seen that several times from chipped bands. Chipped my teeth, yeah. you know, all kinds of crazy shit. It was yeah. just like this was just happening constantly, yeah. you know. And it was just like, God damn, you know. At some point, it's gonna be something worse, right? You know sure. what I mean? Where it's like it isn't gonna just be uh, early. That's punk. That's cool. Yeah, it yeah. It gets later, and you're like, this is just inconvenient and <laughs> a medical these things, bill. Like it's like yeah. you know, am I gonna break an arm? What's gonna be the next thing? Where I'm just right. gonna be like down for the count for two months, can't do anything. What's gonna pay for my bills? Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Yeah, and that insecurity, too, is, like, so tough whenever you're trying to, like, you know, just be a normal human being outside of the band, you know? You can't just, like, think about, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, wing it forever. You have to start wondering, like, okay, well, like, actually, if something does happen, or even if this tour cancels, like, how am I going to pay rent? and How am I going to buy food and do all the, like, normal stuff? totally, and so I had a little bit of, before we went out on tour, I had a little, I was kind of known as the engineer to some of my circle of friends because I had like a little home studio set up and we were Is that right. how it started? Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. yeah. So Killer. basically like when I was 14, before the before we had the punk band, we were kind of just making like home demos and stuff like that at home. We had like a Tascam Porta Studio 4. And nice. when, yeah, we would Killer. make, we would talk all about, we would make our demos that, yeah. on that. So like, is it just four track? It was just a four track. Thing? And I had yeah. like, you know, my cup microphones and my dad gave us like a, one of those dual cassette decks where we would master to it. So that was <laughs> yeah. what we would make our two nice. track masters from was like on the little, whatever that was. It was the TAC, right? Like dual, you right. know, cassette deck. And so it kind of grew from there, but that was like the only one who was putting that stuff together was me. Like I was figuring out at least earning enough money to like buy a couple cables and some microphones and get whatever we needed to done to get some demos out to people. And so that kind of is where the ball sort of started on that was like, Oh, I can make a little bit of money uh, from this on the side. And so I was recording bands and, and mixing bands like when I was home killer tour And so, and and I'm assuming not on the four four track anymore. Not on the four track. It was whatever Pro Tools, like you know, basic Pro Tools system or whatever. But like the Side One Dummy, which was our record label, had uh, a couple of different bands that like I ended up helping out and mixing and recording. Like I worked with Chuck Reagan and uh, from Hot Water Music and you know just things like that. I was like, oh, so now I'm making some money when I'm home, right? And again, still trying not to have like a regular day job. Like, what can I do to just <laughs> yeah. maximize to my quote unquote talent? Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, and my friend Chris Diaz was booking uh, the Knitting Factory at the time too. So I did some oh, nice. live sound, yeah. which is fucking hard. Yeah. Probably it's way harder than being in the studio. People don't know. I talk about that a lot because I, you know, like I do a lot of diverse stuff and try to. It's it's part of my, you know, ethos is to like challenge myself all the time. But people will ask me like, oh, do you do do live sound? Like only if somebody makes me. Only if there's just no (laughs) other option for. Even when I do live sound now, like I'm like, all right, cool. I got the levels. Everything's cool. And I throw one of my assistants on and like, just just monitor this. Oh, I'm gonna go I, get drunk. Live <laughs> sound guys don't get enough credit because they honestly are real sound yeah. guys. Like yeah. like real engineers are like live guys. Yeah. And it's high risk, you know it's I mean? real time. It's yeah. happening Very right now. Yeah, it's one shot, one kill. Right now. You have yeah. to get it right. Yeah. There's no and, and, and if it and if it goes wrong, you 
are fired. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Notice if it goes wrong. Yeah. yeah. If it goes right, no one will care. This yeah. is exactly it true. Perfectly, and no it's one will exactly care. It's exactly right. The stakes are a little higher. Yeah. yeah it's a little definitely. freaky. Yeah. So doing doing live sound. They're still dicks though. But they're fucking. <laughs> they're still the worst. I'm sorry, I can't. I can have a race for them and, 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 and different and give them accolades <laughs> while also say like, "There's we've done I've done videos on this recently. I'm sorry I have to say, but there's just a certain caricature of a he's he's maybe like a little too into his Irish heritage. Yeah. yeah, he's got flashlights. That's a Dio, yeah. got a Dio shirt. Oh, definitely yeah. has a Dio the key ring shirt. that jingles 100%. when he runs around. And when you, you know? when you have the most important question to ask him, it's it's union break time. Totally, and I'm all for unions. But that's it's that guy right yeah. there. I can see. I actually can literally see this guy. I won't dox him. Of course, but like, of course. Oh, the worst. If they're you worst. ever play a festival or go to a festival, those are the guys. Yeah. And I've never done live sound, but I've been on the band. They're side on the food the line. Worst. They've got yeah. like their sunglasses are like facing backwards, right, yeah. where they're like resting on their ponytails. Yes. <laughs> so like when you're oh, standing man. behind them online, you're like, that looks really funny. Yeah. But if I say yeah. that, I'm gonna get like totally sure. jacked by this. Yeah. Guy. He's gonna turn me down the whole time if totally. I say yeah. that. We're gonna. We will. Just so we know, we should get a live song. I'm oh, not yeah, kidding. Definitely. A live guy. No, I know. I know a couple. It's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. It's a but legitimately good so idea. What's so sad like, is you come defend yourself. They they call them sound guys, yeah. and we're called engineers. That's right? True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. And it's like uh, we come demeaning. in with like our tattoos and like you know our wannabe cool car and stuff like that. And sound guys have have this terrible job title, and they're real engineers. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like these yeah. guys, these guys set up yeah, these I mean, PAs dude, even every just day on, at like a festival. Like it, people don't think about this type of stuff, but uh, you know, like like time aligning the line arrays and shit exactly. like that. Like that's science. That's yeah. math. I mean, there's programs for it now. But when I was coming up, you had to yeah, math that no. shit. Yeah. You know, e- EQing monitor systems. Yeah, was like you know a, a real um, EQ guy who was like on his EQ knew every single note sure. and every single band yeah. on his 31 yeah. band graphic. Yeah. He yeah. could, he, but he could tune it in, in like five to 10 minutes. Yeah. And th- that's a skill. Like you, you don't even learn that in school. Yeah. And that's like real shit. Cause yeah. when you're EQing a kick drum or anything in the studio, it's the same exact principle. Yeah. It's like knowing what note is what frequency and what frequency is what note. Yeah. Without having to sit there and you know do a solo frequency Q, right. high Q filter right. and like figure yeah. it out and find it or look at it on an analyzer, these yeah. guys just knew it. Yeah, like the real ones. And like because like when we toured with Dropkick Murphys, their their monitor guy was like insane like that, yeah. where he would sit there and he would he would you know he'd do the thing where he'd cut the yeah, mic yeah. and he'd do the thing. But yeah. but like until yeah. he had the little iPad where like he would ring control it, it yeah. you know, where he had, he could he could remotely control the thirty one band. He would he would cue it out like instantly yeah. and i was like always marveling at that yeah shit, where yeah. i was like these guys are fucking engineers yeah, they're not and sound guys i think <laughs> a good point to make about that too is the same thing that i think as tracking engineers we face a lot of times is that we are generalized by the worst of us yeah you know yeah, yeah. it's like it's like those live guys like we're when we're thinking of like this this clown of an engineer, like live sound person. It's like, we're thinking of the dude in the club. That's like, you know, uh, been there way the lowest too long. Common denominator yeah, and guy, he's yeah. like the, yeah, and he's the worst, yeah. you know, he doesn't care about how many times like your shit feeds back during the show. Yeah. He just doesn't solve it, just turns it down. So we're generalizing on the worst, but the best of those guys are, something to see you know it's like when you see those good ones you're like wow okay all right like this is something special and there was like good venues around the united states or around anywhere had these house guys 
who did every single show and were like indispensable right and and were were like these sort of cream of the crop guys like there was a guy in sacramento uh yeah a, a venue i think it was called the boardwalk and and the sound guy was super annoying but because he would like actually make you tune your snare and do yeah. like stuff like that, where yeah. he would tell you like really annoying shit. Wasn't like, buddy? Like, I know. I know you think you yeah, know what you're, you're like, doing, but your shit you. sounds you like think tune tell me to tune my right fucking snare. <laughs> <laughs> that West guy. Totally. And he, yeah. but he was like the sound guy for yeah, the venue, yeah. and he was famous, like because yeah. you know touring bands went through there all the time, wow. and we played there a few times. And Everybody knew who he was. Totally knew yeah. who he was, and he was like the most fucking annoying guy but he got the greatest sound. Right, sure. He was a he was like a douchebag to us, yeah. but like at the end of the day, he was totally it. making this whole thing work. Right, like yeah. this small venue, you know, not a great sound system, but when you walked out there it sounded like a record. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, okay, so this guy knows what he's doing. And and yeah. and to have the sort of balls and the gall to like tell a, a guitar player to turn his amp down or to right, turn sure. the treble down a yeah, little or bit. Yeah. Or like your snare. Yeah. Tune your snare or yeah. that your E is attitude. He would say this stuff to yeah, us. Like because so we played funny. there, I don't know, like maybe ten times and it was yeah. like, oh, there's gonna be that guy there today. And he was like super incredible. Yeah. But yeah, it's anyway, I did live sound you for a while. Sound. And yeah. I and it was and it was I just realized that like you really have to know what you're doing to do live sound. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't really cut it, <laughs> but it was it was eye opening. It was like holy shit, they expect you to do everything. Yeah. Tune out the monitors, tune out the front of house, you know, right. and like yeah. get get a sound in two yeah, seconds. A lot despite of times, everybody being giving you every single roadblock you yeah. could possibly get, like the singer doesn't know how to fucking sing on the yeah, mic right. and is cupping yeah, it, holding it. Through. I exactly. Think what we're describing is uh, like the general population doesn't understand that that's what goes into it yeah. at a high level. Yeah. So even I'm thinking of venue owners, yeah. not to mention managers and the band, they, they don't realize how meticulous it is. So I think that job often gets a bad rap for being, they're just babysitters. Right. Listen, totally. the system's on, just turn it on <laughs> yeah. and make, just turn it on and make sure my guitar can be heard. Totally. I really, I'm not even, uh, it's not hyperbole. Like I think no. most people think that's what it is. Totally. And, um, and the, well, there are, because there are some that do do that. Sure. Uh, yeah. But, but the ones who don't, I think, they're just sick of people seeing them that way. Totally. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. look, I'm ringing the room. I'm getting these meticulous. Like, I'm. This is, I'm sciencing over here. What's worse is it's so underpaid. Right. Like, because yeah. you, you yeah, said, especially you, now with Golden Voice and and um, uh, the other one, um, uh, live uh, whatever live nation. live nation. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. They they own all these small venues yeah. now yeah. all over the country, yeah. and so like they are literally paying people like a hundred dollars a night to exactly. come in and do these like because they're paid to babysit. Yeah. So. It's a pay to babysit, but check it out. It's like, think about the pay between a studio guy and a live guy. So you show up to do sound check at, like, say, it's at two o'clock, but you got to show up at one o'clock at yeah, least yeah. to, like, you know, set up the gear and, and, and get things tuned essentially to, for the band to show up. Then you've got a three hour break or a four hour break until sure. you actually do the show. Yeah. So they'll pay you like a hundred bucks, 150 bucks to quote unquote mix the show. Right, but, but it's not accounting it's for the seven hours. Day yeah, for you. yeah. Not to mention you're cleaning up from and midnight to two, and it's two meals. Yeah, you've you've been there through lunch and yeah. dinner, and so what? You're not going to make phone calls and make money from phone calls. Like you're dedicated to this band yeah. for basically the entire day, yeah. and you well, go paid for a couple hours. Yes, and then yeah. you hang out until 2 a.m. with the band or whatever, and then you have to sleep until noon to get enough sleep, and right. then you wake up the next day, you're like, that was basically a 12-hour day for $100. Yeah. 
Like that's Sanity. basically what Insanity. it is. Yeah. We're versus a studio guy where it's like, no, you're going to pay me 75 bucks an hour. Yeah. You're going to pay me yeah. whatever. It's like, you're just on the clock. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But the t- I'm just, anyway, it's just, no, it's, so true. it's just a, so true. a nod of the hat because I just yeah. feel like sound guys really do not. Get yeah. We, we, we make fun of it a lot. Uh, Live but, sound. But it is, but it well, is. Things can be true at once, so they can be dicks and, yeah. and underpaid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can be chicken or the egg. Maybe that's why. Yeah. I met, I met plenty of dicks for sure. That, that, that made me very turned. So you did live sound. I'll try to get us back yeah, on track. Yeah, yeah. You did. It was the bands. It was. It was very short live lived. sounds. But it was well, to make money on the side. And sure, I did. Yeah. I did live sound, and then was doing some studio stuff. Again, Side One Dummy was our record label, so they were kind of throwing me a couple of bones Killer. to to record and mix bands that were on the label, young bands and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then basically, I just was trying to figure out what was my real job sort of backup plan. And, and as sort of like a, what was happening sort of before all this, actually before we went on tour, was I ended up interning and eventually working for a film composer by the name of Mark Isham in 1998. So while I was kind of trying to become famous, and or not famous, but, but tour and, and do a rock band thing, I was like, landed myself in this sort of like pseudo job thing, which was really, really cool, wow. doing sound essentially. Uh, in post-production, which I knew nothing about at the time when I got the job. So that right. was so like... You didn't pursue that I didn't pursue it. I was, I was, open, just, but it, yeah. I was just trying to find a studio job. And like, sure, I sure. emailed like Sunset Sound and I emailed all the studios in LA. I probably even emailed East West. You said this was 98? Yes, in wow. 1998. Yeah. And I was... Uh, was I, I was 18. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I was 18. Okay, crazy. Um, and I was... Because I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want, I didn't want to go to college. Yeah. So I wanted to try and get you know, in an, into a studio if I could. Right. And, and, and I was trying to go for like a rock studio or something like sure. that so I could work on records. And then I ended up just kind of falling into this post-production film scoring job where I was like, I know nothing about this stuff. But, you know, three months in, four months in, I was like enthralled with it. Right. Killer. And it was just like, whoa, this is insane. You know, basically he was working on, Mark Eichen was working on Blade at the time when I started interning. Jeez, incredible. Which was like, what the fuck is this? Is like, what is film music? He's got like these racks of like fucking uh, Akai samplers and like JD 800 synthesizers and and modular Moogs and all this stuff. And all of it's working and he's using it all in this this film score and it's all hooked up with MIDI. And I was like, what the fuck is MIDI? You know what I mean? Like it was just like, it was. I knew nothing about that stuff. Like electronic music was not anything I knew anything about. So, I was, you know, a guitar player. Going, what is all this shit? So I was just instantly like, whoa, this is incredible. And then I went to like a scoring session where he was recording the orchestra, and it was like a hundred piece orchestra. And I was like, wow, Jeez. this is nuts. Where was that track? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, that was at. Um, uh, I think it was Paramount. Uh, it was. Yeah, there are only so many places. Stage that can do 100. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. That I think was Todd Ao. Uh, wow. was Blade, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um and, and which of course isn't there anymore, which is really sad. But once I saw that stuff, I was really hooked on that. Yeah, I still wanted to do the rock band thing and like, you know, right. pursue that dream. But this was so interesting to me. And because I kind of knew nothing about it, was like 
it was like a you know it was like a new car to me. It was like sure. just really exciting. Just really and I was fascinating. Just like, Holy yeah. fuck, yeah, let's do this. So I started reading like MIDI books, and I was like getting super into it. I stayed like and, late and for every the record night. too. At, at this time, I think that uh, there's some. I mean, you could get some information on the internet at this point, but it was limited. I didn't know how to. Yeah, like, yeah, and sure. it was hard to find stuff. So if you were looking for stuff about this information back then, you literally had to buy books and go to libraries and find shit. It's not like you could just like. There was no Google. There was like yeah. there was like the Yahoo search engine, which was Ask like Jeeves. Ask Jeeves, <laughs> yeah. and it was like super terrible. You'd type in something, and it gave you like four HTML links. Right. And it was like it. It was useless. It was very hard to do. So, the, so the fact that you were doing research at this time, I was, was very. Just, I like, was just reading books. Yeah, and, and incredible. And I read books, and I'm sure just getting pushed into the deep end of the, the pool. I, I got in the deep end. So what, what it was is I was reading books in front of all this gear because I was like, this is a crazy place. Like the, he had a studio full of all this stuff I had never seen before. So I would stay late every night and just kind of sit with all this stuff and literally learn how to use every part of. All the outboard gear, you know, he had Lexicon reverbs and right. LA two A's and eleven seventy eights and all this shit that I again knew nothing about, but but sat there and learned every right. night basically like how to and, how and to he patch was pretty it up, open to bay. you just like having your run of figuring well, I, I it was, out. And I was an intern at first, so it was like there was not much expectation, right? You know what right. I mean? Other Get than making coffee, a really good yeah. coffee yeah. and a good latte, which I was really really good at. So as long as I could keep that going, right, I was able to kind of like build enough of the road in front of me so that I could figure it out. And, you know, he had uh, a Euphonics CS3000, which at the time in 1998 was a brand new console. And it was the first console that had digital control of, of fully elect analog electronics. Right. So, and, and it had a control surface that nobody was used to because it was basically all controlled from the center section, which everybody's used to now. Right. Having a console that basically is all about attention keys and not about what you actually see in front of you right, for right. every sort of you know inline channel on a, an analog console. So I, because I didn't know any other consoles, felt fine and comfortable learning it because I wasn't like having to readjust anything. Yeah, you didn't have anything. a uh, like a mental block of no, like there was being no mental like, block. oh, this there was is no, how this oh, is. this isn't you know, this isn't an eighty sixty eight or whatever. It was just like I'm just there with it. I, I talked about go. before the reverse situation when I first came to East West because I had come up on, you know, like a, an SSL essentially okay, and yeah. like stuff like that was what I had mostly learned as being like what a console is. Yeah. And then I came here and I was like almost a little scared at first because it was so simple mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, this is confusing to me. Like, how you, what do you mean you just you just patch into everything? Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. don't push a button or you yeah. don't do anything. And it was actually kind of the reverse thing where I was like, oh, vintage stuff is really scary to use. But totally. then it was like, it took me about a week and then I was like, oh, actually, this is the easiest shit in the world. You just got to... It's easier. like telephone cables. Just yeah, do it. exactly, so. exactly. Way easier. Now, you could really fake your way on a Neve yeah. a lot faster than you oh, can yeah. on an Just don't touch SSL. anything. Just yeah. don't touch anything. Just let it go straight Pretty through much. and you're yeah, good, Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't even need to use the EQ. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like on an SSL, like you're sitting there like split EQing between right. like the, the top inline channel with the bottom. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, no, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Just use the mic pre. And yeah, just use the mic it, pre and call it way up. It's, it's all good. So yeah, it was it was a it was a console that nobody really knew. So then I also saw an opportunity for me to get really good at it. So I sat with the CS three thousand manual and learned everything about it, which was uh, it was daunting because it was it was like 
all computer shit, computer right. talk. It was yeah. all about right. like not you can just read a, a paragraph and be like, "Cool, okay, that's how it works." Because yeah. there's words in that paragraph it was you don't even know. It was crazy. Yeah. And then there was all these like um, it had like a, a dynamics. Uh, it was all rack mounted stuff. So like the compressors and stuff were all analog, but they were rack mounted. Uh, and digitally controlled compressors. Oh, nice! It was a super amazing console. And I'm gonna look this up later. Okay, I don't so have... there are still some people who have them. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think Babyface still has one. Um, um, and uh, who's the famous songwriter? Uh, Diane uh, Warren. Warren has uh, two, and actually she's right down the street, and her studio has a few of them. It's wow. it's not like, they're not everywhere anymore, but sure. like but at the time, they were revolutionary right. as sure. a console, yeah. and kind of set the tone for what now ultimately is the S6, actually, which is fully digital, but sure. like the concept of the layout was actually started with the CS2000 and then the CS3000, which was the one I learned. Anyway, that was kind of where I started to find myself uh, kind of make starting a bit of waves in terms of like okay this guy knows what he's doing sure. this guy is maybe going somewhere with this job and like kind of got myself some job security in terms of yeah. like this guy wanted to keep me around yeah. this composer and this, so i was really useful for this him. always this is something i bring up a, a lot which is like when people start out this is one of those pieces of advices i i, I give to so many yeah, yeah. starting out is like Get somewhere and then make yourself indispensable for one reason. Certainly. You said at first yeah. it was like coffee, yeah. but then it was like you literally learned something that made you so valuable to them that they were like, "Oh shit, we gotta like keep this guy around, and like like encourage him to keep you, doing." It's this. super easy because yeah, exactly. You just sort of look for the holes. And there's always so valuable, yeah. <laughs> yes. How long did it take for it to transition from internship to? Uh, I mean, you just said it. Eventually yeah, became it was something like, regular. But it was when like did it become a job? Four months, like at that. Oh, that's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that. And I eventually was was working there, and and I was just sort of again. It was like looking for the holes. It was like where can I find yeah. myself being really useful? Where these guys are like, this guy's the shit. I really like this guy. Where it's like you know you get hired to be on sessions, and engineers like you, and they want to specifically yes. ask for you. And it's like I was like trying to become that guy. Yeah, where it was like guys wanted to come in because his studio was private and for himself as a composer, but he did. They, at the time, it was also used for a lot of mixing for for films and stuff like that. Out. It was yeah. booked out, right? So it was like because you couldn't mix in Pro Tools yet, so it was all on this console. So this console, it was it was valuable as a mix room, right? And so uh, I learned how to you know control all the channels on it from MIDI and stuff like that, and it was like really cool shit that nobody really even knew you could do on this console, right? But every single EQ, aux send, and compressor was all controllable via MIDI, which is kind of crude at the time because it wasn't like because the next six just does all this shit right, without right. even having to think about it anymore. It's basically what this is. But at the time, this was like holy shit! You can control this console from an external device. This concept was right. like still very so now you can you can automate and do all sorts of stuff in really interesting ways that no one had been able to do really you get like these pv midi controllers which were just a bunch of faders and stuff and you can run them from the other side of the room to control all the vcas on the uh, euphonics so like that was a really cool thing for somebody who wanted to be on the other side of the room listening to 
their DAW with a different set of speakers right. while the console sat on the other side of the room where they weren't at or facing. Sure. So it actually served a practical purpose. Yeah. So it was like you could have this PV MIDI controller with faders and you're facing literally in the opposite direction from the console. It's behind you facing the other way. Right. And so James Newton Howard and a couple of these other composers in Hollywood were developed, and, and Hans Zimmer actually too, the, the layout... Hans who? Uh, yeah. The layout for <laughs> Never the heard composer of was was you had your writing station like this, and so you're facing one way where you got your DAW and your speakers and your uh, your MIDI keyboard, and behind you facing the other way is your mixing direction. So your console sitting there with all your analog gear and and samplers running to it and sh and coming up live, and when you want to start mixing and doing stuff, you turn around. And you sure. start mixing, right? And that was sort of like the film composer setup before everything went in the box. Right. Yeah. This was how you did it because it was like, how do you get a console in the room and your MIDI keyboard and all this sure. stuff? How do you yeah. ergonomically make it work? Yeah. And that was the layout. So the the yeah. way that we did it before was you just basically had MIDI control of all these channels, and that was something that was very new at the time in the '90s. Yeah. So anyway, it was just shit like that. I was just like, well. How can I be useful? Because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, and I just sort of <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> did yeah. it until I made it. Basically. Right, you know what I mean? And and I was like, okay, cool. Well, now I have a job, but then I'm also wanting to be a rock star. So I was like going out and touring for like four weeks, and and then coming back to the job. So he actually let me go out on tour. Oh wow! While I was working, that for feel risky at the time as far as like maintaining risky. your value. Very risky. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'd have to find somebody who was really good to replace me. Right. God forbid. They'd and be I too was good, like, though. I was like, this guy's gonna like this other guy better. Right. And I'm yeah. not gonna. So it was very tricky, and I was of course always trying to be as good at my job as possible so that I was able to come back and not get fired. Right. So it at least kind of set that bar very high for me. Sure. But eventually, it became kind of impossible to do both, and I did just sort of go out on tour full time from about 2004 till 2009. Oh, I didn't expect it to go that way. That's all I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, went, I I decided to kind of leave, and it was a difficult choice, obviously, because it was like this could be a real job, right? Yeah. You right. You know what I mean? Not With touring, like a long term yeah. type of situation. Yeah. It's like this is you maintain your body. Yeah, maintain your body, your health. Yeah, have things things like the gym, yeah. <laughs> like actually be respected. So I made I, what I thought was the better choice, and I, and I don't regret it at all. But I basically went out and just said, "Fuck it, I don't have a job. I'm going to just do this right. tour full time." And of course, when you're doing that, you realize you just got to stay out on tour because the only way to make yeah, you have to keep the wheel turning. You have to make your five hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is, a night to keep the band working. Yeah. Right? We yeah. actually had like a tech at the time. So it was like none of us made any money. Right. Like maybe we made like forty bucks a day at the most. Yeah. You know, but in order to make Subway, that 40 bucks yes, we're so rich. Yeah. We had to tour seven days yeah. a week. We didn't take days off. Yeah. We literally toured seven days a week. So if we had a yeah. four week tour, it was four weeks of touring. Wow. And then we yeah. came home. That's yeah. brutal. And that was how we made our thousand dollars. And people don't yeah. know this because I've done like I've done months of that but yeah. not like you know it's like but when you when you do that it's like you lose uh you know it's like you're you're up every night you know till midnight or one o'clock in the morning and then you get a few hours of sleep but the next day it's like we were talking about before it's like sound checks at two you know so it's like you just have enough time to grab some food and then get in there's no time in between to do yeah. anything yeah. so you're not just like 
oh, like, like I was really astonished when I went out with Polyphia this last time. Like, anytime they had a day off, they would go and like tour the city and like mm -hmm. see stuff. And I was like, you guys have energy. Yeah, how do you yeah. guys have energy to do that? Now, yeah. they're like real rock stars. So yeah. they're like, they're like, okay, we're going to get up. The, the, the tour manager takes care of everything. We just get up and have to go and play the sound check and then play the show. But, sure. but like when you're doing a lot of the stuff yourself, it's like, that's a lot of work. Oh, whoop, we lost that. We lost some Pro Tools here. Who knows when? Wow, that's the first time that it's ever happened. That is the first time. It's okay, we're babbling anyway. We you're have, still, you're still no, editing. This, I think this is great. We can pull, I mean, we're, yeah, we're not above. Audio. Who gives a shit? You know? We can pull phone audio if we have to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not yeah, above that. It's, it's, uh. How long, I mean, 15 minutes. Right, I don't know. Okay. Andrew Sheps was actually talking about, uh, about the touring have lifestyle. Have fun figuring that out. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to. I wasn't recording on my phone. Well, we, uh, but, yeah, both, we, yeah, yeah, both we, the yeah. cameras are fine. We, we didn't, um, we didn't have a, a tethered recording. Like, <laughs> but um, it's us not being good sound guys. Yeah, I love Dude, it. Not Somebody real. told me we also keep it in line. You can yeah, splice yeah, it together. We didn't have a backup. It's a part of the, hey, look, it's a part of the charm. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's, it's all, all the vibe. I, baby. I, fully, I like it. I wish I wish it crashed the whole thing. No, I fully accept this this whole vibe. I like that you have the piece of wood too, which looks like it's about to fall. Yeah, it's just barely going. For sure. But Andrew Sheps was talking about the 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 life of a of a touring band. And saying how you know it's basically impossible to make any money. Yeah, sure. you know that that especially when you're not the headlining band. Yeah. So like if you're making, I don't know what bands make now as as openers, but it's like say you make a thousand dollars, right? Five hundred usually yeah. is what I've been seeing. Yeah, five hundred to thousand dollars. It's like. And can I interject and say yeah. that that's at a fairly high level, like totally. like indie level? Yeah. You, you have to be massive, massive to make anything notable. Totally. To, just to, and most people are probably listening and they understand yeah. this because they're like, yeah. I wish. I yeah, can yeah. five, but just yeah. to acknowledge the disparity, making five hundred a night and doing it regularly is like success yeah. in most people who will watch this. You know what I mean? Like even that is really difficult. That's wild it's to crazy. Me. It's wild to me. Well, we we basically were making that. It was like yeah. somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars. I'm just saying this to hype you up, but that was part you doing it at a high level. I, I it's 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 not hype. It's not glamorous at all because what's and Andrew broke it down really well is like you have you have the van costs alone. Sure. Right, so it's like whatever the upkeep, fine, but gas, gas, yeah. especially oh, now, fuck it. Dude. Transmissions talking, going out outside. I'm talking of about Paso. 2008. That yeah. was not yeah. even that expensive. Yeah, it was whatever it was. It was like 150 dollars to to fill up the tank, and you had to do that several times on sure. the way to the venue. So you're spending at least half of your 500 dollar income just, just to, to get, get to it. the next show. Right? Yeah, and then we had to oh buy. Oh my god, what is going on, Pro Tools? You dick. What is going on, bro? Dick! This Pro Tools. Like one of those if you want to make this right, Avid, hit me up. Okay. That, by the way, who is uh, who is that parachuter? Oh, I don't, I don't know. That guy's just uh, he's just living the dream. Dude, you're noticing there. things I've never observed up here. <laughs> this guy gets to listen to so every you, podcast. You toured, you toured for all those years. Yeah. How did? The transition back, like, did you just get like we were, were? I guess where we left off, you were making five hundred a night. Oh, right, yeah. It was a hustle. Yeah, it was a hustle. Cost I mean, that goes into tour, I think, is where we left off. Dude, I mean, the the making nothing. Well, anyway, you have to buy merch, which is basically where you probably the only way we really made money was selling merch. Sure, yeah. Right. Yeah. So like merch, you know, you spend whatever it is. It's like you know two dollars a T-shirt or whatever, and then you make ten or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, where the, the, there's yeah. only money there. Yeah. So there's some money there. 
but, but you said by this time CDs were decaying, we so were, like you weren't we, even making. We were as outside much. venues selling CDs ourselves, so like yeah. we would we would play with Dropkick Murphys and the Foggy Molly, and at the end of the show at House of Blues, we'd be standing outside selling CDs, sure. saying buy our CD and, and giving we, hugs and hoping we, to lure oh in. My God, we would sell. We would sell as many as we could. If we sold like 50, we were stoked. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? Cause it, or if it was like 5 bucks or 10 bucks, it's like a pretty decent amount of, of cash. Of course, and certainly more than you're going to make from the venue. Yeah, and so, but we owed the record label, whatever it was, $3 a CD or something like that. <laughs> so everything had a hidden cost. Yeah, Everything Absolutely. had enough. Yeah. And the venue, yes, the venue would take money, right. right? Which I just heard yesterday that Live Nation actually has dropped uh, taking cuts from, wow. from bands' pay. Uh, I mean, it's it's looking earning, right now like just in the political spectrum of things that yeah. like Biden's going after Ticketmaster for hidden costs. Like, I think we're finally starting to begin to address some of these things, but we are talking about you know uh, uh, literally two decades, three decades of like lobbying by Ticketmaster because they I are can't, absolutely a monopoly. <laughs> I can't believe sanity. I can't believe the kind of shit they get away with. I mean, the fact that they take any any money that you make from your merchandise sales say it's a thousand dollars and they take 20 percent insanity right. or something they have literally so nothing what, to do with. yeah and then there's there's the there's the merch company and the record label who are also taking 20 percent and the person who's selling it for you who you have to pay something right so you're only making a dollar or two no it was you know when I mean? we were um when we were on this last tour with with uh johan lennox that i went out to europe with yeah. we would get to like some venues where they wouldn't even let you use your own merch person you had totally. to use the yes. venue's merch yes. person yeah. because and they would, would count sell, all the money yes, earned and then sure. yeah. and we would sell like 300 dollars in shirts and we would end up after all like the cuts and mm -hmm. everything we'd get Maybe twenty five, thirty dollars. You know, it's like, how did the we spend three hundred dollars and get twenty? The fact know? that this guy can write you a twenty dollar check or give you thirty dollars or whatever it is after that cut for your in in their gorgeous multi million right. dollar facility, knowing you drive a van right. and make no money and yeah. just ate at Subway yep. Yep. as your only means of food. And feel good about themselves is beyond me. I know because it's crazy. It's, it, and that's the kind of thing that just started to really make me jaded about it. Yeah. It was just like we were doing this constantly and working our asses off, and and obviously felt like what we were doing was important, and we believed in what we were doing. Right. And it was a and obviously the punk rock community is amazing, and it was cool to be a part of. But there's just a certain point where you're just like, God, everybody's just fucking raping you. Like, Dude, yeah. and it's the irony of the death grip that those companies have yeah. on even industries like punk rock. Totally. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like such a juxtaposition where it it's is. like, dude, we're punk and like, yeah. But then like we just were written a $20 check for $300 worth. Like, <laughs> is, are we, what are we doing out here? Yeah, yeah, it's like everybody needs to eat and everybody needs to yeah. you know, have some, some money in their pocket no matter what you are or who you're doing. It's like this has to be kind of fair yeah you know what i mean like I, we're the ones driving yeah, yeah. across the fucking world risking our lives in every mode of transportation we're yes. in to be here and do what we're doing and you're gonna take 30 percent of what i'm making yeah crazy for what yeah. for having a for spot me, for me yeah. to entertain your exactly. people so that you have a reputation so how that, much are you earning you on know? all this alcohol yeah, yeah. so much oh my god how much the you earning on this alcohol markup is yeah, yeah you know? insanity yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So. Yeah. It's anyway, so brutal. It's a lose lose. Yeah. But that's that's what's that's what's so great about any artist who who persists and keeps doing what they're doing. It's right. sure, you, yeah, respect. You know what that person's been through yeah. has been hell. Yep. Yeah. Absolute hell. Anybody who's a touring musician deserves the utmost respect because it's like that person has been through hell to be where they are. There's Absolutely. no way you can't. Yeah. It's just built to destroy you. Yeah. So anybody yeah. who's still doing it, it's like hats for off. For the love. You're for the yeah. love. Yeah. Like you are there. I, I So I did a thing just recently. Uh, a band reached out to me. Um, the Uninvited. You know those guys? I know the name. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they reached out to me to do a record and we talked a little bit and they invited me to come to a show. And these guys are like, you know, in their 50s and stuff, you know, up there on stage. And they're a bit of like, you know, they're a rock band and everything. And I had this whole conversation about how um, it's amazing that they still love doing it so much because one of the biggest pitfalls is getting to that point where, like you said, you're just jaded at everything. You know that you're not making any money. You're getting screwed on everything. Everything's costing you money to do. And every time you try and get something going, you're like begging the fans to come and like, you know, doing all this promotion. And like the venue is doing none of that, you know? Like the venue's not, you'll be lucky if a venue puts your name on the marquee for some of these shows or even like puts a poster up a week before at the door so that they, you know, people know. You are doing all the work to get these people into this building for for them to reap every and so you get really jaded and it was yeah. great to see those guys i really liked seeing them play because you could tell it was still all passionate just for the yeah. passion it was all just for the love of what they were doing that's all it was they yeah. just really loved what they were doing and they were like gonna keep doing it for as long as they could and it's like rock and roll yeah. doesn't die it just ends up with bills to pay eventually and you got to decide yeah. yeah yeah it's wild i i i just you know i couldn't i couldn't keep up with it after a certain amount of time i just wanted to sort of stay home and was there a like a concise breaking point yeah it was actually the the 2008 warp tour was a really great experience but it was again it was this thing of just just looking at the pure math of it was was just 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 so not in your favor it's just not you know and that was the year that the that the gas prices were so bad that actually the warp tour production was um giving everybody these like little grants where they were like right. paying for your gas for a week and stuff like that because it was so bad for wow. most of the bands. We were we had to tour in a bus because you almost don't have a choice on Warp Tour. You have to be in some sort of a mode of transportation right. where you have a driver, dedicated driver. Yeah, because and you're keep doing rolling and sleeping. Yeah. yeah. And a place where you can always go pee because right. there is no always one and some air conditioning so that you can get a little bit of sleep because right. it's so hot cuz yeah those and yeah. and for people who uh, are younger crowd who never have been to a warp tour you got to understand these I things actually are never happening went to a warp tour but I these I things are happening in parking lots in yeah. like in like you know uh, south jersey it's worth mentioning yeah. because because yeah the setting is is definitely like well this is crazy because you're in a parking lot that has no air conditioning. Yeah, nothing. In, no building. Wow. There's, like, there's, no, there's no covering of yeah, any kind so anywhere within, within a hot. mile. Like, I've been to a bunch yeah. of Warp Tours, uh, and uh, when I was younger, that was, that was the thing in the mm. summers. Like, oh, Warp Tour, you know? And, and yeah. like, as a fan, 
it's brutal to go and like sit and watch because it's like oh. it's blacktop parking lot. Blacktop like, parking lot. It's lots. hot, sure, bro. Yeah. It's like like no it's escape. Like, yeah, and it's humid <laughs> and it's just brutal. Well, and that's the whole tour. It's every warp tour I've ever been to was like every I've show never was like seen that. one but that was like in a nice place. They would have it be like a, like Seattle would be at the Gorge or like somewhere really nice, but the shows were never like in the actual venue. Right. Yeah, they, they were in like the, the parking lot, lot of the venue. <laughs> wow. Because there's so many stages, it's not it's not set up to actually work that way in a singular venue yeah, yeah. so th- so these were trucks that would usually fold out into a stage yeah. and then the audiences would gather around each one of these trucks yeah. with the stages on them so the venues themselves if they were an open amphitheater or something like that those stages weren't actually used they would it's use they so would, even when you ended up at a ball i know the gorge i'm from washington yeah, yeah. oh cool yeah i'm from seattle you yeah. you're like hell yeah and then you get there and you're like all right still a parking the 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 uh uh what do you call it? the amphitheaters over there just looking beautiful <laughs> yeah, and, and nice yeah. and cold? Well, that's and where people would it, go know. to chill. Yeah, yeah right? sure. So, like, people would go find if they could get, if there was an amphitheater, take they, some pictures pretending go, you're on stage. They'd, well, they just go sit under the, the awning no, or playing. whatever so they could get a little bit of, sure. like, you yeah. know, a little bit of out of the sun and, yeah. not, and not burn to death. But anyway, the point was, like, every day we had to spend, I think it was like 700 bucks on gas. Five, it was either $500 or 700 bucks, depending on the drive. Yeah. The gas was really expensive. Oh, so, sure. And in those tour buses, man, just yeah. brutal. It was crazy. So that was what we were getting paid every day yeah. was $500. So yeah. it was like we knew right away. Literally. Yeah, you're already at a $200 deficit yeah. before you if even play the show. Yeah. on Warp Tour and still can't totally. bring anything yeah. out of this. Yeah, and so obviously there's bands who are making more than that or whatever. But it was like the average band was basically using whatever funds they made to get themselves yeah. to the next show without almost any profit. And um, but at the same time, it was really fun because yeah. it was just like you so know because the you went there, yeah. the sense of community and everything was like here oh, yeah, you go. It's all your fucking friends, forty of your favorite bands. Right. Let's do this. Yeah. And you didn't even care that it was hundred degrees yeah. out. It was fine. But that. 2008 warp tour for me was like by the end of it after all that work we didn't come home with any money yeah. right and it was like damn dude like this is this is crazy yeah and and do we want to keep doing this yeah. and so i was thinking well i don't know i feel like if i if i keep going with this i'm going to lose my opportunity to kind of like keep this sort of post-production world job that right. i sort of have so I were you able to maintain it? I maintained okay. it a little Some bit. Relationship I, made, connection I, I maintained like contact with, with Mark Isham and, and, and then actually started to learn. I, I met a couple of other composers and young guys and stuff like that. So I started to kind of build a little bit of a thing. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just dive into this now and kind of like go, you know, the touring thing is great, but I think I'm going to actually focus more on being in the studio sure. and being an engineer in the studio and see, see where the so film scoring world goes. And that was one thing we where, haven't talked yeah. about yet, uh, I don't think, anyways, is that this band, it, your brother's in this band too, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. was there like tension between y'all when did he want to keep really. going or was it the band? He did, yeah. What was the consensus? Well, see, the thing is, he actually ended up, uh, his, him, he and his wife ended up getting pregnant too. So that was part Timing, of it was good, like, yeah. yeah. So in two, it wasn't 2008 though. It was 2009. They they ended up getting pregnant, and I was like, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> here's know, the thing. Man. There's that too. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. So you know, but the tent. There was no real tension between us. It was it was pretty much just all understandable. Good. Like I'm sure after that we many years f- we of fought. doing it, there was you know? definitely some wild shit. 
you know, crazy stuff would happen. I remember one night, like, uh, in the UK, he had gotten just wildly drunk, and he ended up just sort of wandering outside the venue, and he got lost. Yeah. None of us could find him. And this is back wow. before GPS on your yeah, phone. It and was. And actually, he had a phone on him, but it was off. So we got fucking freaked out. And he had fallen asleep somewhere in front of some old, like, uh, movie theater or something wow. like that. Like six blocks. A great story now, but I'm sure it was not charming at all. And and it was just like we didn't we didn't fight, but we were fucking pissed. This fucking thing, bro. These are you're ruining my life, bro. Not you, Pro Tools. Yeah, Pro Tools does that. This is gonna be one of those. This is my favorite part: is that there's gonna be a whole bunch of people in the comment sections being like slow tools, and I'm like. Anyway, so so your you brother, guys, you guys aren't uh, uh, endorsed or or the podcast <laughs> that laptop isn't paid is from 2017, <laughs> and it's only here because this was I'm up like here a, when we got here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know whose it was. It was Wait, running Pro Tools when we showed a up. A note to the listeners: This has been cutting in and out. I don't give a shit, and I, you know, like don't don't comment. I don't. By care. now, they will have heard a few bits of just phone audio. Yeah, like yeah, really definitely. compressed. Yeah, just ten like, feet away. Yeah, no. Like, but at least we're all you know we're projecting. Yeah. So <laughs> shout out cameras. You're the you're yeah. the OGs. You're today. the real I, heroes of this yeah. session. You might want to just do the camera audio just the for whole the whole time. thing. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. We we you know we've done worse. Yeah, like I definitely I don't, I don't care. It's funny no that um, wasn't really what's what what made the band kind of stop it was it was really honestly that it, it, it was it was a lot of fun but i knew i had to sort of figure i guess it was just i just decided i wanted to kind of move on yeah it was sure, kind of that sure. like i was i was turning 30 and for whatever reason i thought unless i'm making like five hundred thousand dollars a year from this i don't think i want to keep going so it was like at the the time i turned 30 i was just was like you know right. what this is probably the right time to do this. Sure. Because I just don't want to be that 40-year-old guy yeah. who's just opening for all the cool bands and and like, and like just has like a... I don't know. I For whatever reason, it's cool if anybody wants to do that. Get it. Yeah. It's, it's not so a you're bad, saying, though, aside from the practicality of it, which yeah, didn't add up, it's you just were kind of over it. it like, I just was like, kind of ready to move it. on. And I and I kind of felt like there was there was something I had to pivot to. Like it right. wasn't like I had nothing. Yeah. I felt like there was this fun world of of film score music that I was actually enjoying. So I was yeah. like, I'm gonna do this. So even then, you knew that was the decision. Like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch. Pivot is the right yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. Right over to that specifically. Yeah. 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 So yeah. and and I did, and of course it was it was just as hard of a pivot as right. any. It was just like, oh fuck. And at this that time, the do. industry was changing fast, it was. too. It yeah. was like, yeah. we've talked about this many times, like, as Pro Tools became the situation where you could use it natively, yeah. you could use it in your house, you could yeah. have an actual, like, home rig. Sure. There was a lot of technology you had to learn. There was a lot of things you had to understand in order to maintain quality across all the systems and the integrity of what you were doing. And, and every studio that you went to in town had a different thing going on. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you had to really understand and everything in order to like really be able to function properly at that time. For sure, absolutely. I mean, there was there was like, you know, assistants whose job it was to do certain things were were those jobs were going away because everything was turning into the box too. So right. it was like it was like where you could be useful was 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 changing quite right. a bit. And minimizing it was minimizing sure. everything. And it was like composers and producers and songwriters were kind of Everybody was becoming their own little box, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, and it was like, how do you actually find people? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was like everybody's just kind of going into their own studios yeah. and yeah. not not 
not coming to a studio. And literally, how how did that happen for you? Um, I just was reach actually was just emailing people. I was just like, you know, uh, here's what I've done. You know what I mean? Like cold, cold calls, but not phone calls, but just, you know, I would find people on IMDb or whatever, and I would just contact them and, you know, guys who I thought did really cool music and did really cool shit. I thought I'll just email them and say, Hey, I'd love to work with you. And right. work with, it's like, obviously, fucking hard ass thing to do because yeah, I never definitely. liked doing things like that. Yeah. It's never comfortable. Yeah. But I was like, uh, I don't really know what other choice sure. I have. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was like, it was just kind you of some it credibility, and that you could point to what you've done before. Yeah, and I had you, I had some for. I had done some things, but it was it was it was definitely uh, you know starting from from the bottom in some ways. As a freelance guy, you're 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 at the bottom for a long time. No right. matter, even if you're doing well and, and yeah, kind of yeah. successful, it's, it's, it's not an easy path. Yeah. yeah. You know I, I mean? I've talked about this before with wait my own next journey month. whenever. Yeah. See how yeah. you, you might've done well, but wait, yeah. see how next month yeah. feels. And it's like, it was like if your paycheck doesn't show up within the 30 days, oh, dude, it can like rent, ruin you for, it ruins yeah. you because it's like you <laughs> literally living to pay your rent. Right. And if it doesn't get, worked out in two weeks or whatever right. then you don't have rent yeah you know what i mean for real we've and talked about this yeah. uh it's tricky yeah th- it's, these it's days not, even after all these years you have a month where you like hell yeah i made 20k i don't know if i'll make anything next yeah. we'll see talk to me next month and we'll see how it goes so yeah. but i'm balling hard right now you know, even I made, at a yeah. high level it's like <laughs> totally. it's, it's still a i joke about this because i'm always wanting to buy microphones and buy right, gear right and i'm like, like i'm like i don't know if i can yeah is this a good sure. choice like, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. is yeah. this the right time and yeah. you like wait I feel to rich right now but i feel yeah. rich this right yeah. now for rent next month because yeah. you've because you know you've experienced that that two or three month period where like it's just complicated enough in terms of how and when you got paid for something yeah, yeah, yeah. that it could really fuck you sure. over. Yeah. If or you... just bizarre. I feel like these swings were more drastic early on, at least for me. There would come almost like season, literally seasonal pendulum yeah. swings. big time. They're, they're less, and I, I'm, this is still real, so I'm not yeah. saying this to yeah. look myself out yeah. of it. It's less now. I think everyone who's deep in a career yeah, would say that. I, I mean, but early you, on, those pendulum swings, it'd be months yeah. where you're like, I don't know. I would have times where I'm like, I don't know that I'll ever work again. I, and then I've been lucky. And all of a sudden, swings, you're like, oh god, I'm busy again. I've Thank gone god. months where I haven't paid shit. Yeah, and just hope oh, yeah. that I was. Oh, yeah. Kick, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I met you, that was about the time where I was like, oh, oh god, yeah, I hope, two. I hope yeah. I'm like because I I had been working for Alex a kid, and then it just stopped. He just unceremoniously like got rid of me, and I was like, oh shit, like. Um, what am I going to do? And then, you know, it was like, that's how I met you because I was literally taking whatever somebody would say and I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. You know, like, I don't mm-hmm. care. And uh, and there was plenty of times where where it was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm just going to pay the rent late. Like, who cares? Exactly. Like, it's just, yeah. that's what you have to do and that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Or, oh, And that was when I started getting into that mode of like, you know what? Fuck them. You know, well, like, it's really going to happen. Yeah. What like, are you going to really do? You can't kick me out of the house. Actually, like, you, you start to realize what you can get away with with, yeah. com- with oh, credit yeah, card definitely. companies. Yeah. And oh, dude, there's no there's yeah. no late payments on phone bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like things totally. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I, and I did that. I did yeah. that. I did that a lot of times. And I, it's I was tough. late on car payments. I was late on one rents, of the things, credit cards. One of the things <laughs> I, I think is like, like what people don't understand, like that freelance thing, it's like you could have, there's a lot of different ways that it goes. But for a lot of us, it's like, you're working like you have like six or seven people that call you and the goal is to get to like 15 or 20 because not everybody's working every day not everybody's working all the time and you have to work enough between all of these people and for me I was just lucky 
things would be like, hey, are you free this time? And I'd be like, sure. I just finished a thing. So then. it has so to it's like, yeah, it's work, like, yeah. But a lot of times, like, you miss that one time. And yep. it's like you were saying before about being in places. Like, you miss that one time. You have no idea who they're going to call yep. and who they're going to, like, pick up to do this. Yep. And that might be their guy from here on out. And you just lost that that client, yep. you know? And yep. it's just because you weren't available that one time or whatever. So Well, the, the freelance world, I guess there's, you know, I, I keep trying to figure out how to learn it in some sort of a scientific way and it's it's impossible but one of the things that i think is is pretty interesting take home from it all is that one guy one of my clients did this where he had a really big project that he was doing and was was on that project and and didn't want to leave it obviously had another client call him and say we want you to do this other project you know not knowing that he was already on something and we want you to like you know sleep on the floor with us and like really just kind of like be live here with us and do this project with us. And he freaked out that he was like, right. not going to be able to do both at the same time and said, no, said no to that project and then got fired from the other one. Wow. Lost them and both at the same both. time. Yeah. And then Brutal. for months didn't have anything Yeah, because he was trying to figure out, well, there was a void suddenly of like sure. all these yeah. people were calling him at once. Yeah. And then he lost everything yeah. at once by a perfect storm. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Things feeling seasonal sometimes too, where it's yeah. just like there's a big swing, and that is true. And then it swings away. And ultimately, yeah. there's nothing you could do to avoid that to some degree. But the yeah. thing that I learned from it was that, first of all, you don't actually know what the reality is until you get into it. Because yeah. in the reality of it was, he probably didn't have to sleep on a floor and 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 right. baby hold sure. hold this person's hand through this project yeah. the whole time. He probably could have gotten away with just doing a couple days a week and still kept the other job right. and done them both once it actually got into the reality of yeah. it. Right. But mentally, he freaked out, yeah. going, "I'm gonna I'm gonna not sleep and I'm gonna go crazy sure. and blah blah blah." Be too careful. Well, just being too freaked out from whatever, right? Yeah. And and then you make a wrong decision because of your own sort of freak out, yeah. as opposed to just going, well, let's just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. and let's, and that is definitely my approach. A lot of times, if somebody asks me to do something, I almost always say yes, and then I start figuring out how to like navigate yeah. through it. You know, totally. And so, what's interesting is that most of the time, these schedules shift around enough that it all ends up working out. Sure. Yeah. Even though for maybe five or six days. You're fully bluffing. Yeah. Yeah. You're fully bluffing. Yeah. And you're like, I can do that recording session and I can do that recording right. session. And they're sure. on the same fucking day. Yeah. 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 And then eventually one of them moves. It almost always happens. Yeah. yeah. There's so much fluidity it to this. It almost yeah. always yeah. happens. And also you get comfortable with the people enough to say like, hey man, can we can we just push this back an hour so I can yeah. do this? And sure. like, you know, yeah. and you find ways to work with, yeah. because most of the time, if people want to work with you, especially on an extended thing, they're willing to work with you and life you know? is going to be and any like, extended project there's an understanding that life is going to be involved life right. is involved not, not, not only other sessions but like family absolutely. so like it's, there's there's an accepted fluidity to absolutely like yeah. Yeah. and projects. you can use those as fake excuses you know sure. or right. whatever yeah but sometimes yeah my grandma's died a lot <laughs> <laughs> my grandma's died like a hundred so, times yeah, she's been like, dead for like five I was years like, you but could just, she just you could dying. just say though, not to turn this into a lesson but literally we've all been in those spots uh it's the artist too for example, the artist is going to have their grandma's going to die. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I'll, I'll often use that language with them. Wait, and who's going to die? 
the artist's grandma. He's yeah, yeah, joking yeah, exactly. that his grandma died. <laughs> but what I'm pointing out is that the art, it's not so just you. Know. Yeah, yeah they're going to need that flexibility too. So often I'll insert that eventually. Like, man, don't worry about it. I'm going to need the same yeah. race. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I just put it out there. And then there's hopefully, as long as you don't abuse it, there's hopefully an accepted like, oh, it's all good. You're going to have to give me the same. That's We're right. in it together. Yeah. And I, I will verbalize it so that there's this kind of accepted like, oh, yeah, he was cool when my grandma died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's not manipulation. What we're yeah. describing is relationship, but yeah. like there's well, just going to be a fluidity no, not, from both sides. That's not manipulation yeah. at all. This is like the reality is like you feel like you're actually being a bad person by saying yes to two people at the same time yeah. and that you're going to, you know, that you're being a douchebag by lying. Sure. But at the end of the day, those things usually ch- work themselves out right. without you yeah. having to even worry about it. Yeah, I've definitely you know? done a lot of the put my faith in the system and the system is going to work out somehow, some way. And like, you know, I planned, like we were talking about before, like the seasonal stuff. I always assume that somewhere around January or December 10th until January 5th, I'm not going to work at all. No, there's going to be weird. Nothing. Lo- that's what there's I'm talking about. Those pendulum swings. Where it's like, and like, oh, yeah. so whenever it does happen, I'm like, okay, cool. But it also does breed this thing in my brain that happens a lot, where I'm like, okay, like, don't say no to anything ever, because the second you say no to something, then like, it's going to be like, I just turned down a tour, uh, a full month of a tour, mm. and I was like, and it was going to be for doing playback and and recording the artist while we were not working. And I was mm. like, man, I just, I, I hate to say no, especially to a month long of two jobs that I'm getting sure. paid for. Mm-hmm, yeah. But to be perfectly realistic, like I can't do this right now. Like it's going to screw over too many other people. Yeah. And immediately after I did that, then I, nobody called me for like four days, which is an, right. you know, like, like never right. happened. So right. like, then I was like, did I just karma myself out of like Fully. a whole bunch of shit? Like, Fully. am I screwed right now? Yeah. But I know the truth, which is like, it sometimes feels that way. And you just, when those four days happen of like, nobody called me, you just sit in your underwear at home and enjoy your life, having a little bit of a break, get some sure. projects done, do some things that you needed to yeah. do this When you're working time. for a month nonstop, you're going to wish you right. go back. Yeah, and you're going to wish you had those days yeah. because it's going to come right back, and it always, always yeah. does. But yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is a terrifying thing. It's very terrifying. Every job every job that you get is gold. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, everybody who's worked from the bottom knows how yeah. difficult it is to get a single job. Yeah. yeah. And so when you've got... several people asking you to do things on the same day or the same week, you're like, that's a good fucking problem to have. You know, that's the best problem to have. And, and, and you don't want to take that for granted. So, so how do you, how do you kind of make it work so that you can do it all? Because you know, there's going to be those times where you have nothing going on and you're like, damn, I wish I had that job I turned down right now. Yeah. You know, that'd be a nice, I'm in that habit. Yeah. If ever I'm overworked, like there's too much going on. I don't mean this to sound so Zen or spiritual, but I'm like, God, thank you for work. Cause there's nothing uh, worse than the, the, the other side, the opposite, of that, where you're yeah, like, yeah. and then you realize, like, oh my god, I, what I would give right now for right, that grind yeah. of a project that I was hating or dreading, just to just to even just to be, you know, keeping the everything in motion in 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 your mind. It's like yeah. keeping yourself at something is kind of like I feel like what I'm built for right. is like I like to always just be at something, sure. doing it, yep. whatever you know, yeah. doing doing the motor, and so you know. Any any way that I could sort of like maximize what I've built for myself with my clients and my projects sure. and things like yeah. that, I want to 
I want to always sort of feel like thankful for it. Right. For like it's no joke. Like yeah. this is just really incredible that yeah. that I At that least. I can do that. And I yeah. also feel <laughs> like that sense of competition where you're like, you know what? There's a lot of talented people in this fucking oh, yeah. city, yeah. and a lot of guys who would want this job. Sure. So if yeah. I'm turning it down. Except right away that I know who's who they're gonna call. Yeah, I know who's they're gonna, gonna call, call my yeah. fucking friend. Yep. You know what I mean? They're gonna call blah 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 blah. And, and blah. I'm gonna feel a little bit shitty. And about I'm gonna it. be annoyed seeing them <laughs> posted on Instagram because yep. I'm gonna be like, I know I just fucking turned yeah, that down. Yeah. So why not just figure out how to keep it all? Yeah. yeah. You know what the I mean? other thing I'll chime in, just speaking practically, <laughs> a lot of this is in reference to things that are time based, right? That's, Always. That's, that's harder. What I will say though yeah. is we're not, we haven't. I don't feel like we've acknowledged much, and this is especially a part of my world. Things are rarely on an hour-by-hour basis. Now, it's one thing if it's a bunch of bookable sessions, um, which I know even for you isn't always the norm anyway. That's one thing. But if it's project-based, what we're talking about is true to the 10th degree. Yeah. Meaning, say say four, say yes to four projects at once. They're going to... It's going right. to flush out in a way that works just fine. That, yeah. Yeah. It's one thing. And you, you acknowledged even being booked, say, on the same day. Yeah. Even that can probably work out. But when you're talking projects, there, someone's going to have to bump. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Some, something's going to have to get pushed down there. Like it's going to work out. Yeah. You, you can you can say yes to four projects. Well, the irony of that out. too is like when you when you when you're trying to schedule projects that are more like just a general concept of like this will be like a three month thing in and yeah, out, not whatever. Necessarily accountable to the hour. Yeah, because recording sessions, it's almost its own little animal and and Piece set of, that, of yeah. problems. Yeah. But but when you try and and like schedule that out two months in advance, going okay, well. I, I can do these projects. They're going to fit just perfectly. Sure. A month later, the whole fucking thing changed. 100%. Right. And so then you went through all this trouble to like make Move it work stuff for these around guys. And yeah. well, it and wasn't going to matter in the end anyway. When yeah. at the end, it didn't fucking matter, which again, just sort of circles back to the principle of just like, you kind of just always say yes. Because yeah, again, sure. yeah. it, none of the shit matters until you're doing any of yeah. it. Yeah. Especially in, in, in post-production, in movies and TV. People can say to you, we want to book you next month, and they don't fucking mean that. Yeah, sure. they don't mean anything. They're until not even close to being I'm, ready. Yeah, for that. or they mean yeah. it not to. But in, in the music, same. I mean, there's overlap. Uh, or but the budget doesn't come in. They meant it, but it's like actually, it's going to be six months until that check comes sure, for sure. them. But but they but they will eventually reach out. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it, you just don't have to. If you stress too much about all that shit, you'll suddenly realize that that's not where you're where any of the importance lies right the yeah. importance really just sort of lies in like how uh charismatic can you be during the day knowing you've got 10 phone calls coming at you right for something that yeah. you weren't expecting yeah. and you're in the middle of a conversation and you need to sort of hold your shit together yeah. right that's when it matters yeah. it doesn't matter a month or two months in advance trying to like figure out the schedule and all these minutiae. Yeah. it's not even going to be that schedule yeah, yeah. That schedule yeah. is. Someone sends you a post-production schedule. It's fucking dead. Yeah. A month later. Right. It doesn't. It. Yeah. The first casualty constantly. of war is the plan. Every the plan. single time. It's just. Yeah. It's a dead plan. Every single time. It's like time. I've said. It's like no matter how much you fucking plan and try and make the thing perfect, it will ruin your plan instantly yeah. once you start it. Yep. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can almost bet on the plan not yeah. being yeah. what it's supposed to be. It will self-destruct. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Your yeah. your great plan will self-destruct. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah. So, so you're, um, so you're, you're coming back into the world, you're getting it. When did you feel like, 
like I'm back into this world. Like how long did it take of coming off tour and like getting, we stopped touring like in 2010, we were not really touring anymore. We, we had a song called this is LA that ended up becoming kind of the anthem for the the LA Kings. Kings, LA Kings act. No galaxy too. Um, so we actually did some shows at Staples center, like during the playoffs and stuff like that for the LA Kings. So that was like, kind of it like we weren't touring but we ended up getting this cool little sort of side thing of incredible like, well i wasn't expecting that that yeah. was kind of interesting and i bet you that was probably actually like somewhat like profitable for for that not a single dime really nice yeah nice yeah yeah <laughs> we but you get to sit no here on this money. podcast yeah. and yeah. talk about <laughs> how you played staples center well, so. <laughs> we got free tickets to the game nice so yeah nice free yeah. tickets we got, That's to, what I'm we got to see we got to see the <laughs> which game. i will have no time to go see <laughs> totally and we got to be on the kevin and bean show before it stopped so that was pretty cool Oh, nice. So, because nice. Kevin, I think, no, Bean is a massive LA Kings fan. Wow. And so they, uh, when the song started playing on K-Rock, basically what happened was there was a guy who was in Fox Sports, uh, was a huge fan of our band. He was a big punk rock guy. Right. And he was was playing the song just in his like office all the time. And then he was like, oh, we got to fucking put this song on, on an advertisement. So they did an LA Kings ad on Fox Sports and they used our song for right. it. Then all the sort of higher ups and different people around the LA Kings um, management started hearing the song because they were seeing it in the ads and stuff like that. And they were like, this song is really cool. Right. Let's use this in the stadium. So they used it on a couple of games and then it just sort of escalated from there they're like let's find the band let's have them play some playoff shows right oh, and wow. then and then they asked us to come in and play Staples Center before the games when they were playing the San Jose Sharks or something like that in the playoffs and so then Kevin and Bean saw this because they were you know huge fans of the of the Kings saw I guess us play at Staples Center or whatever and they're like putting the song on K-Rock and then it became the most Jeez, requested song for two and a half weeks on K-Rock. Wow. It was super weird. And then they were like, we want to have you on the show. And so Kevin and Bean asked us to come on the show. And we played, obviously, the song and and just hung out with Kevin and Bean. It was super weird. Yeah. It's also so, just an interesting anecdote it, about we how were, things yeah, catapult into other things. It's super weird because like, we had kind of more or less broken up, quote unquote, yeah. by then. Right. It had just broken up. And then suddenly we're on Kevin and Bean. So it was like really yeah. weird because yeah. it was like this should have happened five years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Where we were you guys when like, we were when trying we to be were rock like stars? Eating Subway every day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> starving. Yeah. Like this would have been really perfect like yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. And. But it was a nice send off. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, it was like holy shit. Our song was just you know requested the most on K Rock for two and a half weeks, right. and no one knows who we are. And like this was it was just a really interesting and kind of fun little yeah. send off for us. Was like we did Kevin and Bean. We right. played Staples Center. We put a nice little period at the end of. We the put sentence, a period at the end you know, of the sentence. It feels you know? like and we, I was like, we did it. I'm good. Yeah. yeah, you know. And so then. At that point, I was pretty much just full throttle on just you right. know yeah. just doing stuff in LA and and doing film scores. And I, as I've said many times, it's like work begets work because every time you oh, do yeah. a session and somebody sees you do well, they're like, "Oh man, like I got this totally. other project. Can we talk sure. about this?" Yeah. And then like the more you work, the more you get work all yeah. the time. Yeah. Self propelling, yeah. yeah. Especially when you're, good. Yeah. when you're good. When you're good. 
people will see that because um, I, I just made a post about this yesterday. My friend uh, who I had first met as an engineer, he had said, um, you know, he was like, man, you're one of the best assistants in town. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, how is that possible? You know, like mm -hmm. I can't possibly. But then you go around town and you start realizing there's some really, really bad assistants, some yeah. people who are don't give a shit at all, who don't know things, who aren't yeah. like prepared to be in this. So it's like, and the same thing happens with engineers. Like there's a lot of people who accept jobs that are punching above their weight, you know, mm -hmm. and then and then you work with that person and you have that frustration and then one day you see somebody else rocking and you're like, totally. why am I well, working with this person when I could work with this person who knows what they're doing? It's a know? whole package though. So, right? So, because like in LA, there's a ton of talent. Yeah. There's a ton of really, really good engineers and yeah. guys who quite honestly know a lot more than I do. Yeah. But the, the package is like, you have to A, know what you're doing, and you have to, but but you also have to have that attitude of like somebody who's fun to be around right. or, or sure. that you want to be around yeah, right? yeah and and whatever that is if it's if it's hip hop you know being that type of guy who a knows the language b knows the culture and 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 knows how to just sort of fit in yeah. right. and be, a good hang and is yeah. a good hang and like can facilitate even just like knowing a lot about food right. and be yeah. like dude let's eat like great it's sushi so funny, tonight and you know i want to hear mean? like it's like more of your unique take on this but we've talked many times about this exact thing yeah. being talented is yeah. like the foundation it's the foundation you, you yeah. better yeah everyone yeah. Yeah. Is talented. you better be talented. the x factor yeah. is, is very because rarely the talent there's not a lot of guys who are necessarily that they're that are fun to hang out with yeah. and to be around yeah. So, so, so more to the point is that like you can be talented and believe me, there's plenty of talent here in right. the city, but there are also a lot of guys who are not that fun to be around sure. where it's yeah. like, yeah. God damn, if we just stick him in a room and have him do his job, it's great. Yeah. But like, what's going to be that X factor that, that gonna is going to make him. it be like, whoa, this guy just gets all right. the calls. Right. And oftentimes it's like the person's just super cool. Like right. Vinnie Caliuti, who's right. like, right. There's a lot of great drummers. There's right. a lot of great drummers in this city, but he's fun yeah. to hang out with too. And it's like that must have must have permeated his touring. Like right. when he was on on tour with like people, there was like he's just you know like, like a magnet for conversation. Right. Yeah. He's just so fun to be around and a yeah. positive guy. And it's like he's a legend because he's like he is like the whole package. You know, yeah. Yeah. he's like an incredible talent. And he's an incredible person. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? So. I, I wanted to ask this. Uh, this kind of circles around that same thing. But um, being in the scoring world, because a lot of people are not um, rock stars, you know? Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had to cover up some of who you were, like being in those rooms? Like, I mean, not just physically, because you have tattoos on your mm -hmm. arms and mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And it's not that world a lot of times. Like, it's becoming it a little more these days. But I know whenever I was doing some of those, like, bigger scoring projects, like, I wore long sleeve shirts and different. like tried to put on a little bit of a different yeah, personality sure. where it's yes. like, I want people to well, assume at first I felt a certain that way. Because right. I felt, I felt, um, Almost kind of uh, 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 not ashamed, but but shy and bashful about my history Knowledge. as a as a punk kid. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like that I didn't think it fit into the scoring world and didn't make me uh, believable or or taken seriously. Right. And so yes, definitely at first, but but now I don't really give a fuck, and I actually feel like now the culture is different. Where yeah. it's like there is a lot more. Um, kind of like the almost the the more you're kind of from that world, 
something a little bit different and a little bit kind of like not of the Juilliard yeah, school right. that actually so people find it interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah and definitely. They, they actually, there's, a, there's definitely a little bit more of a sense of inclusion, I think. Uh, it, because like, I think Trent Reznor changed that a lot. Yeah, Where it's like, this guy's an Oscar-winning yeah. composer and he's a fucking, you know, he did Downward Spiral. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like that, you know. I, I was, the, I was, I was this very cautious. This guy slept in Sharon Tate's bed, I, you know, I, yeah. like for months to yeah. make a record. It's like, this guy's, this guy's crazy. I was you always know? very cautious in that world at first to try and give people this impression that I was like a little bit more straight and narrow than what I actually was. Like yeah. that I, you know, that I didn't just come off of like a 14 hour, like rap session the day before that the room was filled with smoke and my eyes were just as red, you know, for that. Mm -hmm. And then like going into these scoring sessions and trying to be like oh i'm like i'm a very responsible pro tools guy like sure. trust me i can do this shit you know pro tools. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like it's really like the image like i remember there was yeah. this one time where like somebody took a picture of me in with like um uh the head of pixar and like all these other people and like you look at that room and there was definitely a sore thumb in that picture where it was like well that guy is a little bit different looking than the rest of the people but I found a lot of times that, like you said, it was like, you know, it only took, you know, a lunch break for people to find out that, you know, I, I played in bands, I was, I was in the military, I was, and yeah. all of a sudden, those became endearing things sure. where it's yeah. like, somebody like that has never met somebody who fought a war yeah. or toured, you know, with sure. Warp Tour. Yeah. Or like, yeah. So it's yeah. like these conversations, suddenly, they're actually very interested in you because that's not who's in that industry. Exactly. It's not who yeah. it is. Yeah. So suddenly you become something a little bit more interesting and like conversational for sure. everybody. And now, now you can use that and be like, you know, still a little bit, to the, still a little bit to the left of everybody else and be a little bit different, but it's what's making people be excited about you know like working with you and having conversations well with i you think i think it, it it definitely helps anybody who's who's feeling like out of you know from the outside looking in thinking they can't get into the industry because it's not that way i mean definitely feel like at, at this point there's a lot of guys like you and me and and whatever who who and even like chris fogel like you're yeah. talking about different yeah, guys great. it's like a lot of guys who just come from the opposite side of the right. spectrum and, and found themselves here. And there, and I think there's a lot of, uh, inclusion for that. And I think that now's a more opportune time than probably any to right. sort of like go, if Especially this is what you want to do, like, you can totally do it. When like, you start talking not, about like, you know what I mean? Like Ludwig Göransson composes all his shit in Ableton for the most part before mm. he even gets it, you know? And mm. like, and there is like, you know, they, there's different, it, I mean, like the scoring world, I think traditionally was either you did just soundtrack, you know, which was like, oh, I'm just going to uh, sure. aggregate a bunch of bands I like, and that's sure. going to be the thing. Yeah. Or it was like, a, you know, or scoring. you had a pen and a pencil or a pencil and paper and you were writing notes. Right. And literally, <laughs> and now there's such a, a, a like an, a, a, a com combination of those things where somebody might, Somebody might like Metro Boomin just did this, you know, the soundtrack for the Spider Man thing. Okay, yeah. And like and he yeah. worked with my friend Johan Lennox and and Johan's like a classical composer. So it's like, you know, combining these worlds is very interesting. And to be able to understand somebody like Metro Boomin's world and what he's trying to do, or someone like Ludwig Gorenson who's got like a rock and metal kind of background, mm -hmm. but also is very uh, you know, like classically inspired as well, yeah. you can see these these combination worlds where you're actually kind of 
like in the middle of things where you understand this side and this side so you can be like oh cool like we're gonna do a soundtrack that's gonna be like really hard and edgy like cool i know how to do hard and edgy totally. like and that makes you special in this industry you know and like a like an important thing to have yeah you know? well i think uh i think that generally this film score direction is changing a lot more in that direction right it's like ludwig and guys like that who are um coming from uh, just not the f simple classical background right. and and they that's what that's what producers and film companies seem to want now is like yeah. somebody who's got uh well it's it's like a it is a music producer job essentially you know it's like how do you create sound sure. how do you make something sound like a world you know what i mean right. and not just write notes and themes because sure. it isn't just about that it's like how do you create a world and a landscape yeah, I, I think of like you know specifically in that direction is like the the stranger things score is like it has a specific, oh that's a perfect example you know yeah. and those guys aren't composers per right. se yeah, right right it's like creating a sonic they're creating world, a sonic the world they're, they're like really cool synth geeks right and they made a badass soundtrack, right. and it's perfect for the show. Exactly. It, it really speaks the language of yeah. like this throwback, you know, yeah. nostalgic yeah. thing, but also feels fresh and dope as fuck. Exactly. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? And there's a lot of like yeah. great tension in these scenes and everything from the stuff that they do, and it's from a pure understanding of like the synth world. Not so much from like a scoring perspective. They just have managed to take what they're doing and apply it very well into a situation. And I yeah. think, like you said, there's a lot of that now where people are like, like, oh, yeah, we're looking for, we want this to feel like this, mm -hmm. you know? And like, whereas before, like even I remember when I was first kind of starting out in this industry, it was just where it was starting to do that, but it was still a lot of like pure string score, you know? It was like top to bottom, that's what it is. Totally, you know? and, and knowing the language of like these other things that are referenced in scores now, like, like hip hop and electronic music and, you know, harder rock and roll or punk rock and yeah. having the vocabulary for that stuff, uh, certainly, from my perspective, has has really helped on the types of projects I've I've landed or gotten into or been able to facilitate right. beyond what people are were expecting me to do because I had that background. Sure. Like I just started working with uh, Patrick Stump, who's from um, Fall Out Boy, oh, the right. lead singer oh, of Fall Out Boy, yeah. and and uh, he's just scored this this great film, and, and I was working with him on it, and. He obviously, I know who he is, but he had known about my band and right. stuff like that. So we had, oh, just the, yeah, just the dialogue about Warp Tour sure. and and punk rock sure. and just yeah. all the things that yeah. we both know and love was like just that instant like click. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like we had that dialogue and that 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 just that common thing, that yeah. common thread, and and that's what there's more of those types of guys now right. finding themselves sure. scoring yeah. films yeah. and being part of the music team for films. It's like, they don't want guys who just are like the traditional. And obviously that stuff is great. Yeah. John Williams and Alan sure. Silvestri and, and Mark Isham and all that old, that stuff that's just that great classic stuff is fantastic. But there's yeah. a lot of this new wave of guys who have that, uh, that background that's more of like a of a music industry sure. background yeah. or, or, or uh, making records basically yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. and and sort of bringing that sort of 
culture into what they do. And it's, it's cool to have that vocabulary and that language. And having done the touring thing and knowing what Warp Tour is like, sure. it just sort of made like Patrick and I just sort of felt like we were just sort of like having a chat on the right. lunch line. You know right. what I mean? It's like, what, uh, speaking of that, yeah. what are you working on currently? Yeah, I was just going to say that because yeah. you have, um, you have now, you're, you're fully in that world, you know, yeah, like yeah. that is, and you're Pretty well much. known and respected yeah, for yeah. having done yeah. that, you know, uh, and and it's and we we said a lot of movies, but you you've done video games too, right? You did yeah. uh, God of War, Ragnarok, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and um, uh, what was what, you had a Call of Duty or something? What was the uh, so I did uh, Call of Duty, um, uh, Cold War, uh, yeah, and Cyberpunk, God of War. Right, those are like right, some, right, right. F- yeah, Fortnite. Those are the video games. And then also there. you have a lot of films underneath you as well at this point. You also you did a. Uh, Unbearable weight of massive talent, yes, which is a great if you have never plastic. seen that. Oh my god, yeah. it's brilliant! It's great, Nicolas great Cage film. just playing himself with Pedro Pascal. Oh, this and is, it's, this is recent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah it's I pretty keep recent. Those memes. Pedro oh, Pascal god, is dude. so yeah. good. In He's it. so good in this yeah. movie, and also yeah. Nicolas Cage, his self awareness of himself it's in this very is very awesome. funny. And, and the score. <laughs> one of the things I love about that score is um, it, it never takes you out of like the vibe totally. you know like yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of different types of like yeah. sounds yeah, going yeah, on yeah, you know yeah, some it's... more traditional stuff also some totally. like cooler like newer feels yeah, to it yeah but it never takes you out of where you're at at the moment you know it's it's sort of like the whole idea of the score is that it's not it it's taking itself so seriously that it's supposed to be kind of funny, funny. right you know meta, I mean? right. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah in a way yeah. like so, there's it's definitely yeah. like it's 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 got some of these like cool feels where it's like all of a sudden you're i, I think it's set in like like south america or spain or some shit it's yes. like in a latin yes, or spanish speaking country to, yeah he goes to i don't remember where it is but he goes to some island basically to visit this guy pays to have nick cage come in for his birthday yeah. he's you know he's just got a lot of money and is a massive nick cage fan yeah. and i don't know where it is it's yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's like cuba some, or whatever some, the hell it, it is but like those yeah. themes it's a show or a movie it's a movie it's okay a movie. i have to see yeah. it yeah, yeah definitely it's worth it. I keep seeing so, clips of so it, pedro pascal is this massive nick cage fan and he flies the guy in and so yeah it's it's got a bit of that sort of like there's the the cool ethnic yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and it's capery like the stuff guitar at moments when it comes yeah. in and like yeah and yeah. And like a lot of those things, people don't think of those. I think a lot of times is like traditional score stuff. It's like you don't think of like um, when you hear these like little moments where like there's like a you know sure. like some. Yeah. It's like that doesn't really hit the score as much. It's almost traditional like it's like a foley scoring. type of feel. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. where yeah, it's yeah. like you're just adding like this essence of a sound for, for sure. just a half a second, sure, you know, sure, or like something. Sure. And and it's such a really cool thing because. Uh, to me, anyway, because watching these things, like there's a there's a hard uh, usually there's a hard line between like this is like the the film and this is the score, you know, sure. and stuff like that really merges these scenes in really interesting ways where it it puts you more in the vibe of what you're doing yeah. than yeah. than just a traditional score, and it yeah, was yeah, really yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I loved yeah, that movie. Yeah. I loved the score you of it. Mix this one, yeah, yeah, yeah incredible, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was that was a lot of fun. So when you're doing something like that, this is the type of questions people want to know about. It's yeah. like what, what, how long's the process on something like that? That was. Um, I mean, like a film like that, I think it was like maybe 60 minutes of music. So they recorded it in Budapest and at Air in London. Uh, and then we mixed it for about, well, it was, I think just over, it was like two weeks basically. 
It was it was over the holiday break, so it was a little bit weird because everybody was kind of like fucking off, right? And sure, like going on vacation, time to be digging yeah. in. Yeah. So it was like I'm mixing and sending off mixes, and then I don't hear from anyone for a few days or whatever. Yeah. But it was generally two weeks. The thing with that film, though, in particular, was that it it did come back. So like we mixed it, but then they wanted to redo some things. So right. like we had another pickup, you know, three days of pickup mixing, yeah. Whatever. But that isn't uncommon these days. Yeah, so it's like. You know, we mix for two weeks or something just under that, and then we, and then we do like another couple days or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. usually it's is usually this like two weeks. not to get into rates yeah. uh, specifically, but yeah. is it? Are you in that case charging for time? Is it per project, and everything is just yeah, kind of folded it, into one it's, agreement? It's different on every project. Sure. I mean, we did on 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 that. I think they paid me hourly. Or I can't remember, but but generally, it's it's like. With post-production, usually they'll pay you for, for day rates. But sure. with video games, it isn't necessarily the case. So like it, it kind of depends on, yeah. on what the deal is. So like video games will sometimes just pay you a package for right. like, you're going to mix this. We've got, you know, uh, one part one's coming in uh, in January. Part two is coming in in March. Part four is coming in in June. and Or part three is coming in June. And then you've got to sort of like mix it on and off for like a couple of months sure. and they yeah, just yeah. pay you a package fee. Sure. You know what I mean? Cause they don't, they don't want to deal with paying you hourly rates, but right. film usually has to yeah. generally. So right. uh, because you're of the, dealing with more of the union stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So like film and TV generally has to pay you hourly. calls and certain set rates. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Generally. And so like if you, and if you go over time on it and you know, nine hours, if you go past nine hours, you're getting paid more, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, you know, that kind of stuff, the, the, again, the deals are so different. Sometimes a composer has uh, a flat fee that they get, and then they have to pay everyone out of yeah, that. Right. So if they have to pay for the recording sessions, then they have to pay for the mixing. They've only got $5,000, $10,000, whatever, to pay for the thing to get finished. So whether it takes you seven days or it takes you 10 days or 11, it's just got to get done for this you fee. You just be locked in. Yeah, yeah, you're locked into a fee. Are you? So, we talked about this earlier, but are you effectively still... Freelance across the board. Do you totally. have any affiliations, or is it no, it's not all, really? It's just not really. project by project. No, yeah. And so, but again, a project can go on for you know a longer time than others. Like sure, like sure. Lord but you're not Ring. being fed. Like I only do Universal, really. and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. It'd be nice if I, if I did have that, but not really, because for I usually come from the side. So like a composer brings in a scoring mixer usually. Yeah. So my relationship is usually with the composer, and the Got composer you. isn't on. So you're hired every... out under them to help essentially finish what exactly. they've been paid out for. Exactly. So it's like that yeah. composer isn't necessarily going to do a ten Universal projects in a row. They're just going to sure. do again like whatever yeah. the director hires the composer. So that's yeah. usually how it kind of works. Is like director hires a composer, compi- composer hires a recording engineer yeah. and score. Has that made credit interesting at all, or do you, are you still well credited? Credit in terms of like just mixing credit. Like, is it does it ever get funny? Like, you're folded in underneath the umbrella of someone else, or like, uh, no. is it pretty easy? No, yeah. no, it's yeah, usually yeah. it's usually pretty chill. I mean, cool. yeah, I mean, for us, like for musicians, they don't want their name on on scores if they're not union. union so, like, if yeah. they do something that's a dark date or a non-union session, sure. they don't want their sure. name they on want it. To be a secret, yeah. they want it to be a secret yeah. because of you know different affiliations. But yeah. with engineers it kind of doesn't fucking matter right because like, there's no really we don't have a we've union, talked about yeah. this before but we there's do, just no but union like no provision really yeah <laughs> it's like we're covered under umbrella unions yeah. sometimes but yeah. for the most part like w- like it's just assumed that we're on our own program like, so i don't even know what i would get in trouble for like i, yeah. I i'm just yeah. don't even really get it yeah. like yeah i was asking i mean that's a fascinating conversation i was asking from the angle of like 
uh, a composer, you, you're talking about being hired out under their umbrella, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and someone maybe not crediting. It sounds like that's not the case. No, but not really. Almost no, as if like, hey, I did the composer saying I did it. He did. He did what I paid no, him to do, but it's my no, thing. No, no, no. There's, yeah. there's never really an I feel like, about especially yeah. when it comes to film and TV and, and game stuff, it's well documented yeah, almost it's so all different across than the, the board. Like, the, like the pretty much. There is yeah. one person whose specific job it is to make sure every single yeah. person who worked on that thing That's vastly is different is there. than music yeah. stuff. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. music, yeah. it's just stuff, some yeah. like, you know, it's just some like, you know, label rep being like, who yeah. recorded it? And they're That's like, they just remember like the yeah. one person that yeah. they, you know. Okay, so I've worked on a couple records and I had that exact problem because I worked on a Schoolboy Q record, right? Uh, and I, which I think actually won a Grammy. And it's the worst. Yeah. And I had done, I think I did, Two of the songs on that record, I had recorded them, but because they didn't have names at the time, the the, the songs didn't have names. Right. They were just whatever he was spitting. Oh, it just fell through these funny cracks. And so they were like, well, you know, tell us what songs you worked on. I'm like, like I have song no one? Clue. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, I have like... no clue. He, he, he gave me a USB stick. Yeah. Like, I don't know what song it was. Yeah. yeah. But it was two songs, yeah. and they ended up on the record. Yeah, and, and so, record might have won a Grammy, and then it fucking did. Yeah. And and I didn't end up on on the track list. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, and and apparently this happens a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I know. It's a I know, funny world. Yeah, I know that I'm somebody. Not the only one. I, I, I talked about the, we've talked about this a bunch, but yeah. somebody tried to come at me sideways recently because they're like, "Bro, I looked up your credits. You ain't done nothing. Uh, you only got you know." And like, I might have like forty or fifty credits or something like that, which is in no way exemplary of the 15 years I've been mm -hmm, doing this sure. and the literal countless projects that did not get not credited, credited at all. because I might have been there so for crazy. three days and then somebody else came in and did 10 days and the 10 days yeah. is what gets remembered but the three days and it's like in the music side of things you're lucky to get yeah. credited you should yeah. be very grateful and like I know some people mm. who will s flat out say like and this is something I've taken on recently I've started working on some like writing sessions where we're we're pitching whole projects to whole songs to people and I'm like look if this is the case my one condition is you make sure that whoever like gets this song wherever this goes to the one thing that has to be like added on is, you know, engineered by Greasy Will. Like it must say, like yeah. if I'm going to be a part of this, I have to have that production credit because working it's passed on, yeah, and taken yeah, over. working yeah. working on a, a session, you know, like especially a writing session, you are definitely going to get forgotten no matter how many of the things that you did stayed on the record you know like 100 percent, yeah. you are going yeah. to get forgotten so i'm telling the writers <laughs> being like look guys like i'm with y'all like yeah. i will i work these sessions yeah. like i'm yeah you're gonna make probably fifty thousand dollars off of this song yeah, if it speak goes. up for me when the time comes you need <laughs> to put that because it doesn't cost anything for you to put that in there yeah it, but it needs to fucking well, that's, happen that's one of the sad things that's fallen from physical media too is because you don't see, you, it's not even yeah. that easy to find them right so, yeah even so, if you are credited it's <laughs> yeah. buried somewhere yeah, in some buried internet somewhere database in title or whatever the hell it's yeah. like you only, you have to have a certain app just right. to even see it because yeah. like Apple doesn't show that. actually at one point Apple Music when it first came out did yeah. show the credits they actually had like a bunch of credits Spotify like, now fuck this they're like it's way too much work yeah Spotify <laughs> now you can pull it up and it'll show you some of it you know, like you can see some of the stuff, yeah. But um, but not every time. You know, it's like it's it's only random. There's no enforcement of it. Nobody's yeah. like pushing so, which is so funny to me because it is like 
I think more and more we're starting to see the importance of like engineers on stuff and, and get more, uh, in fact, it's something that I personally have made like my life goal is to push the awareness of what, what engineers, that's literally what I think this podcast is about to Mm. me anyways, is pushing the knowledge for normal people to know like, Oh, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, you know, it's like, even as a score engineer, it's like when people talk about, Scores. You know. Nobody has a fucking clue that a guy. No like one me has, has ever a job. wondered yeah. who the At engineer all. was, and they Never. don't know that there's a mix engineer and a tracking engineer and all these things. They or, think, or that there's guys that do it that have Oscars and right. stuff. You yeah. know, right. what I mean, like yeah, that, yeah, this absolutely. Is a, you know, you it's know? a very legitimate. I, Chris Fogel and I were talking the yeah. other day about that because yeah. it's like you know, it's like he he did Oppenheimer this year. But yeah. He did Blue Beetle that's mm-hmm. about to come out. Yeah. He's done all these great things, but you know, he's got like a a thousand followers on Instagram or something like that because it's not even anything that people look... Meanwhile, he is working with some of the hottest composers in the world on some of the biggest movies. And it's just... There's just no one. No one even knows that that's a thing that it's they're supposed wild. to be looking for. It's, it's really wild. It's 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 not. It, it does have, definitely does not have a glamorous panache. But it around is literally. It I mean, like I, <laughs> now and not to discredit anything. I I think it's honestly like 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 score engineering, right? Tracking mm-hmm. to me is pretty easy overall. Mm-hmm. It's like you get the method up. You like know how to do. You've seen it done a bunch of times. Like, but it's it's a bit like tracking a band where it's like if the if the orchestra's good right and they have a good conductor up front like they're going to sound good in the room yeah you know it's like capturing you know there's sure spot miking and all this stuff and like the but uh it, it to me i'd rather do a, a string recording session any day of the week than a rap session yeah you know yeah. it's like yeah. like the terms of like like the things I might be asked to do on a string recording session versus what I might be asked to do on like a rap session or even just like the tolerance of personalities and all that stuff. It's like, well, first of all, schedule is probably the biggest thing. Oh it's yeah. Like you can actually predict all night long. You, you can know? predict that you'll be up at nine. Your session will start at 11 right. and that you'll be home by four. Right. You're doing a three <laughs> If hour that's the session, lifestyle you want to live, yes. then do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, for sure. if you want to get to the studio at 8 PM right. and you want to start the session at 2 AM and then be home by 8 AM. Right. Go do hip hop. Yeah. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. So it is to me, it's like, this is a lower stress lifestyle. A lot of time there's yeah. schedules, there's like a whole thing, but at the same time, it's also an immense world of technical knowledge, you know? Like, I only threw the caveat in there in the first part because there's also this incredible... Like, you know, you're talking about sessions where, uh, like, th- that that proverbial pin drop type thing mm-hmm. where it's like, you just heard a chair squeak or you heard the the intent of listening, the ability to sit there and listen to every single thing that's happening at all times and catch that one little floor squeak at the end or Mm -hmm. catch this little thing or in the mix process, because like, I mean, I know that to be extremely intensive to be like, you are listening to every single thing and it's an hour and a half long, you know, score that you have to be focused on every tiny little detail. And while there's, you know, like moments of it, like, oh, this is pretty easy. I'm just balancing this. And it was just, there's also incredible attention to detail and incredible ability to, to focus on individual elements of all the things and, and to be like, you know, like, for example, you, you know, uh, Tenet, 
you know, mm -hmm. it was a great movie, but the, I cannot go on the internet and see anybody talking about it without criticizing right. how the dialogue was too low and the sound was, <laughs> and the explosions were too loud and every, and it's like, yeah. so, you know, it's like there is, there is a lot, literally some of the biggest criticisms of that movie have been about how the score and the sound effects yeah. dominated the yeah. dominated the dialogue. Yeah. It's like there is an incredible amount of attention to detail and 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 you know that type of like knowledge and 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 um, an intensive you know like uh, examination of everything that that is beyond any other you know any other part of the music industry. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think. Score recording is just very different than than recording m music records. In that, you know, you're cultivating a sound when you're making a record. Like sure. you're you're kind of like, uh, you know, well, how are we going to do this? What's the what's the you know, you it's got to sound a certain way before you even get started. Sure. Whereas with with score recording, it's like, you know, there are certain things you're going to take for granted are just going to be the sound, right? The sound of the room and the sound of the players and stuff like that. But it's like, you know what what those people are playing and how nine people in the back row of the control room are going to react to it right you know what i mean those things are open for endless discussion sure. you know what i yeah. mean and and how you sort of feel those discussions it's it's just very different than than working on a record where it's like you're going to spend 3 hours before you even start you know, you're going to yeah. be getting headphones, you're going to be getting reverb sounds, you're going to be getting mic choices yeah. and stuff like that. Whereas with a score, you're just going, okay, well, we're going. It's 10 a.m., we're starting. Yeah. You know, and we've got, you know, we've got 90 minutes of music to get through. Yeah. And we've got a whole back row of people. Speaking of all this, some practical kind of elementary questions. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious about things like, what's your setup like? Where are you at? Is it the, at the house? You at a certain studio all the time? Oh, and my, then like even day setup, to day, yeah. like what's the, what's the daily? Not only am yeah. I curious, but I think people hearing or, or listening to yeah. this, there might be someone who's even interested in, in what you do and, and wanting well, to do have, the same thing. I have a commercial studio that I rent, basically. Sure. So I a have... A room and a place? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I have two mixed rooms at Fab Factory Studios. And I call sort of my portion of the building the Rockefeller Center. Yes. Uh, so that's just my own like kind of like moniker. But um, it's basically Where is that at? it's in uh, North Hollywood. It's Killing. it's yeah, yeah Fulton. I and know Sh of it for yeah. sure, but I've never been Fulton and Sherman Way. It's it's a really really nice studio. They have a bunch of different mix rooms, and they have like a big you know Dolby Atmos theater and like all this different shit. So it's a and actually they're building a recording studio too. So it's a pretty much like all in one package. Full service where kind of thing. I yeah. where I mix out of. But I was mixing out of home for a yeah. while. And that was fine. I just kinda outgrew it basically. Yeah. I just kinda needed something somewhere more official. But the thing too with, with mixing and post is that there's a big deal with sort of security mm. and so your internet security, physical security, cameras, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. you know, key cards, right. all that stuff. Is a really big deal when you're yeah, working. Lockdown. Anytime picture is involved, that's yeah. more than fifty million dollars. Yeah. It's sitting on your hard drive and can easily be stolen. I yeah. think I've so, talked about this here before, but we had a um, back when I was you know first starting out. There was a session here where one of the people showed up, mm -hmm. and they had just um, been working on some Disney projects and uh, and unrelated to the session that we yeah. were working on and somebody stole their laptop and a hard drive. No right? way. And those hard drives are low jacked. So when, when it got stolen, within like 20 minutes, they had a position. They found them at a Starbucks down the street trying well, to get yeah. the drive. Yeah, like, yeah. 
it is extremely yeah. secure. Like people yeah. do not have just loose copies of the picture, you know, somewhere yeah. that Disney is going to be okay sure. with. Like yeah. it is, it's, it's an interesting priority shift from like, well, how, what kind of mics do you have in your mic locker to like, what's your security? Like, where's, wow. your, where's your cameras? Was that a part, did that factor you know? in moving to a commercial space where those Absolutely. things that kind of yeah, locked yeah, down was huge deal. Yeah, for more sure. doable? And a lot of the projects that I'm working on always ask me this stuff. Right, They're like, sure. what's, what's your internet firewall? You know, what, what, what are you? So, so otherworldly to me. Totally. And yeah. they, and they research this stuff too. Like yeah. we have to tell them, you know, what our at, you know, IP sure. addresses are and all this stuff. And they research how clean wow, sure. our internet is and all this stuff. I mean, it is a pretty big deal, especially yeah. when it's a, it a perfect sense. when it's a big budget, budget project. Yeah. There, when, like, uh, when I was fuck. working on, uh, Moana, you mm -hmm. know, like John Lasseter himself was coming in right. to the, the studio every right. day, you know, right, right, it's right. like, wow. it's like you have somebody like that even coming to your facility, yeah. you need to be locked down and secure at all yeah. times. There yeah. cannot be, yeah. you know, and not only that, it's like, we're also bringing in The Rock and bringing in, uh, and bringing Jermaine, in, I remember those stories. Yeah, Jermaine Clement <laughs> and like all these people, famous people, you know, who, who have people who are trying to find out where they're at, you totally. know, like, yeah. so they want, they would love to leak whatever they possibly can. Yes, absolutely. So, so it's, it's, it's like, a big, it's, it's a big factor. It definitely in, in having are a you with space. speaking of the space and you talked about a row of people, how often are you mixing like daily? Yeah. I guess half of the question is what's a day like, uh, yeah. but are you mixing solo a lot, a lot of solo work or solo, is there a lot of observation? A lot of solo mixing. Yeah. I mean, uh, most guys are, I'd say half, maybe half, maybe a third of the guys I work with are in LA, but a lot of them are in different places. I have clients sure, in, sure. you know, in China, in Europe, you know, UK, wherever, like all around. So it's not even practical necessarily to yeah. be in the yeah, same yeah. physical space. Right. Um, so like last night I was doing an audio movers feed from my studio to client in Sweden and we went till 2 AM cause for him it was the morning. Right. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, Obviously, it'd be nice if you can come down, but like a lot of the time, I'm alone, yeah. and and I'm just kind of mixing on my own time and and kind of just sending it out into the ether. Yeah, I yeah. love being in person. I think it's it's definitely the best way it's to. It's a do lot it. easier to make decisions when you can just turn around and be like, yeah, there. Yeah. But yeah. it's not always decisions practical. you know are going to stick. The thing, yeah. the yeah. thing with yeah. post production too is that like everybody's kind of at their stations yeah. and kind of always ready for the next curveball. Sure. And like the obviously the the schedule is the biggest. Sure. The schedule is kind of the king, right? Yeah. And it's like the schedule is always kind of pushing everybody to whatever limit they need to go to. And so having people come down, composers or producers come down and listen to my mixes isn't always a practical thing. For, sure. Why would they take kind of time? Well, they're in the middle of something else or they're putting out a fire right. usually. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I'm mixing, but like half the time they don't even have the ability to listen to what I'm doing. And I know that sort of sounds like unglamorous to say, but a lot of the time... What you're, it sounds like freedom. Well, honestly. Yeah, in some ways it is, and what you're mixing and what you're doing sometimes almost is just like by the pound. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean. It's like you're doing it, and it's just got to go out. Yeah, like it's got to just get done. Yeah. we trust you. Yeah. let's do this. And so everything you're mixing is usually to like twenty to forty. 5.1 or seven point one stems sure. anyway. Yeah. So like it's a breakout mix. Yeah. Anyway, so if somebody doesn't like something. They can take the drums and turn them down a couple dB if they right. have to. If after they the need fact, to, yeah. and it's still basically the mix. Yep. So yeah. 
we have all that sort of built into the infrastructure of what we're doing. So sure. a lot of the time... Interesting, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's yeah. also very different than music, where it's, it's like if at the different. last second they had to do something... It's totally different. And yeah. it's like we're not we're not making vocal ups and vocal downs. You know what sure. I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. It, yeah, yeah. we don't need to. Yeah. Like we just make a stem mix and it's like people can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's definitely broad swath kind of things that are very easy to do in terms of that, where it's like, oh, this whole section feels a little bit... Let's just bring it down a little yeah. bit. and then, yeah, yeah. And that's something any stage can do versus like, you know, versus like a vocal up or a vocal down situation yeah. or like turn. Well, it's like you got to dig into that specific about, spot. You have to think about the budget of things. And so like a dub stage, which is like the final place where these uh, film is mixed, is is usually costing uh, somewhere around 10000 or so dollars a day, yeah. you know, at least. Yeah. And depending on how many people are on the stage. And so... They don't have if if they had to wait for me to reprint a mix and make it, right. you know, a different change or whatever, and and turn the bass down or whatever, they'd be spending five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to wait for me to do that sure. change, yeah. even yeah. if it only took me fifteen minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? So they need that ability to just change something whenever someone says it. It has to happen in ten seconds. So sure. so the way we mix has to be fluid. It, it, it makes perfect sense. You can but never I, I didn't have, know that. You, you can't have to go back to somebody else sure, to like right, get yeah. a change or a re-render or something like yeah. that. It's like once it comes to the dub stage, they have to have everything at their fingertips. Yeah. So the makes music, too much sense. the music is just one part of the fabric that may not work once it gets intertwined yeah. with, with the, the new yeah, dialogue, the, dialogue and the effects new and effects. Sure. Everything's now in Atmos. It was yeah. you know all stereo up until this point, but now we've spread it all out, and yeah. the music may need to shift and change a little bit. Yeah. It's not uncommon for you know little dB shifts here and there or some EQ change to happen, sure. and they have the ability to do it really quickly. Do you find that releases uh, or relieves some pressure from the well, process? Totally, because like I'm still not that you're not killing it. Well, but, say you know, say we have like seven days. It's less finite. It has say I have to be seven right days right to mix. They're mixing, say they're starting Monday, and I've started Sunday or or Saturday before. I've only got a couple days ahead of them. Right. And then I'm having to deliver to them every reel almost daily. Yeah. Um, I am still on, I'm on the next reel trying to give them that the next day. Right. So if they have an issue with the reel I just yeah, did you yesterday, go backwards and, I'm fucked. Yeah. They don't want, yeah. No, if I have to go back good for to, anyone. if I have to go, go back to reel one and I'm into reel two and they need that tomorrow, I, then, yeah, I, then, then they don't get reel tomorrow. two. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I have to be able to keep moving forward usually because I'm oftentimes right on top of their schedule. Sure. Yeah. So, they it just isn't practical yeah. and in a lot of ways it's it's sonically going to suffer if they don't have control over the ability to just fine tune the sure. drums or just fine tune the strings or whatever because yeah. if it's a EQ they have to do to the whole mix then you know if they have to take a bunch of low end out of the strings then the drums and the bass sound like shit yeah. right yeah. you know what i mean so if like it's all just one mix they're kind of screwed yeah. you know it's like it's like mastering but with a bunch of the ability to almost remix it in a right. way master. Yeah. yeah 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 so Amazing. that's kind of how we deliver things only because it's realistically practical right you yeah. know to do yeah, it that yeah, way yeah. so it's a very yeah. different layout in terms of the session from yeah. from making a record oh, it's I'm like sure. everything yeah. in a record all kind of feeds us uh, usually a stereo mix yeah. but we're so in other words like bus compression is like a really big factor of the sound sure. sonically yeah. whereas in score mixing it's not at all right yeah. you know so like we do things like we'll put a compressor on every single bus of every single part of the mix and then key it from the kick drum 
independently. So we'll have a compressor on the strings, a compressor on the brass, yeah. compressor on whatever, and key it from the kick drum. So it acts as if it's a stereo mix. Right, right. But it's, every compressor is only on that dedicated bus. Sure. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool because it's like it works as if it's a full mix. You pull it up at Unity and it's the mix. Right. But you can actually fully change it. Yeah. And, and and at the you know pull of a fader have no yeah. more drums. Yeah. If you like guys directors will change their minds completely and be like course, I don't yeah, want drums absolutely. anymore. Yeah. I don't fucking don't want them. Yeah. And then you just do it yourself. Yeah. You don't you don't call the music mixer back. Right. right. We're done. Fascinating. I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Too late. <laughs> I'm out. Killer man. Yeah. Faders down. Yeah. Um. So we're getting getting to the end of this yeah. conversation here. Yeah, I have to pee. Uh, Can you believe it? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. it. Every time. Every um, yeah. Let's let first off. I pee uh, a lot. I've realized. What is uh, I peed. Were oh, yeah. you carrying around this half gallon of water that's here? It's a like, bucket it, over there. You know, might be I one. might drink one bottle of water a day <laughs> max. I'm just like that's a. That's the difference. I'm drinking. So, but somebody told me that's a major cause of kidney kidney stones. Sure. So yeah, I yeah. Will's like hell yeah. You don't. You don't want to be passing kidney stones. Yeah, I definitely don't. You might have been in the Marines, road, but I'm but pretty sure you'd cry your ass off if I'm, you had to. Oh, pass I know it. I would, man. I know, I know. I had a, a kidney infection one time, and I damn near Ooh. fucking died yeah. from it. Like, Drink I was some like, water. This will. is it. I'm going out. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, so, so uh, if if somebody was, I, I I ask this question all the time of our guests. If someone was going to find you, if you wanted somebody to look at your example of like what you've done, what are some of your favorite projects that you've been a part of and felt like, yeah, I killed this shit. Paddington, just because I, I nice. just sort of, nice. I think it was a kids or big fans. Of yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I'm cool to kids. I made it. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, and I just, you know, actually it was a really fun project to work on, but it was a good film. I'm not mocking and it, it's great. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's you know it's obviously a famous story that I grew up with, so you know yeah, the right. character so was really cool, and it's like yeah. you know it's there's a lot part, like a lot of reasons, and it was know, successful to find, too. It wasn't like it, it was, was a, yeah, yeah, it, it was, did really well, and yeah. you know all that. That was doing well in my house. It was uh, <laughs> doing well in my house. You're famous, dude. Yeah. Actually, what's funny is in the Nick Cage movie that you mentioned, the massive talent film, right. they make a joke about Paddington too. Oh yeah, as oh, like no, being yeah. this really fantastic. I don't movie. how meta it is. Yeah, yeah, so. Anyway, it's pretty weird. Uh, yeah, that film was really good. I don't know. It's like, I guess, uh, well, God of War is pretty sick. God of War is very yeah. sick. Yeah. Very cool yeah, thing yeah, to yeah. have done. Big, yeah. big project. Yeah. Was that's a video game? Yeah, 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 yeah okay. the video yeah. game. Just because it's, you know. I know of it, but it, I, I'm not a video yeah, game Yeah, I mean, guy, so I'm not a huge video game guy either, but like a incredible. lot of my friends are huge sure. massive, God of War fans. Massive game, yeah. And graphically, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's one of those projects where it's like everybody did the most incredible job. Right. So when yeah. you when your name is on something like that where you're just like it's pretty sick. Well, and that yeah. and that too, <laughs> you know, like these guys did a great thing job, to be attached you know? to. Yeah. As as someone who did have a gaming background a little bit, like God of War was one of those the original was like one of those like game changing games yeah. Yeah. and every iteration since yeah. I think for yeah. the most part has been massively successful yeah. Yeah. and very much appreciated by the gaming yeah. community. So yeah. cool. Yeah. And actually, I did uh, I did a record this year, which is actually oh, a nice. lot of fun. I did the the cast um, album for the new Sweeney Todd uh, Broadway play. Oh, nice! Oh, okay. Which was which was actually a lot of fun, just because I'm a fan of the sh- obviously of the play and everything. So and and Josh Groban. So it was that was a sort of passion project that that was also cool. really fun. And not a movie, obviously, but 
it's still, it's kind of a different sort of, you know. We've yeah. talked for so long already. Thing I have a me. million more questions. I wish we touched <laughs> yeah. one, what you're doing musically. We'll have to, yeah, yeah, we'll do round yeah. two sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, I, man, I, I, oh, so last, last thing is social, social media. Yeah, how, yeah. how are you on the social media? Do you, I'm, do you put I yourself out there? I think I'm just there? my name. I think, it's, so it's jasonlaraca.com and I think it's Jason like underscore L-A-R-O-C-C-A on, on Instagram. Yeah. Killer. And I'm like Jason LaRocca9 on Facebook or something. How, uh, I don't know what I... <laughs> This is just a pivot question, but how do you feel about like the role of social media in where you are in terms of like your job? Because for it's, me, it's like really important and everything. I but... find it important, but you know, I also know guys that like, you know, completely loathe it. So, right. and, and do really well. So, I wonder, I don't know. This is a question, but I, I also could maybe surmise the answer. Um, does, is it different though? Because usually jobs are coming. Through not like corporately, but yeah. through yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like I commercially have got, versus I have totally gotten jobs we're working from Instagram like artists, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. specifically with artists. You said yeah. you have gotten jobs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's almost surprising to me. You understand what I mean? It's it's no, different where it's sure. coming through. I yeah, actually think uh, the, social media is kind of the only place I feel like where scoring mixers and and film guys can kind of be rock stars right. because there isn't really sure, a channel. Sure. Right, like yeah. what you guys are doing is obviously really really cool. There, I don't feel like there's enough of it though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there well, isn't. This really... is a big thing I talk about a lot in general, which yeah. is like this, like like it, uh, uh, these industries, uh, both sides of this, have traditionally been very hush-hush, yeah, very secretive. You can't be in the studio while you're score mixing on some of these big projects yeah, and go, yeah. look what I'm doing, Sophie, you know? It's like, you need to shut the fuck that's up big, and you don't get an opportunity factor. to speak yeah. about these things. It's very hush-hush, yeah. Absolutely. And then unless that thing does well, there's not going to be any like circle around to be like, hey, who did this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's... It's one thing very important to like get your name out in today's society and everything to like be able, to, but because of the past of it, there's no public interest in it. So yeah. creating public interest in this is something that's like really a a front runner in my thought process. Is like okay, like we need to build people's knowledge of these things <laughs> existing, well, or else no yeah. one's going to even ask to to who it was. You know, I try and create a little bit of a tangibility to it because it does sure, feel a little yeah. bit like when I describe it to people, they just kind of go like blank. blank. They're just yeah. like, right. what it's the like you fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. You know what I mean? And actually, most of the time, I just say that I'm a music producer because in yeah. a way. It's kind of true. Yeah, it, 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 it is. Actually, a lot of the time, and I actually have gotten credit for that as right. producing scores because that is kind of what you're doing. Like you were saying, it's like some of these things are kind of taking care of themselves. Like recording orchestra to some degree does do that sometimes. Yeah. But how you're doing it, how many people to put in the room, yeah. what type of a right. score do we want to reference? Creative decisions. Historically, yeah. like, do we want to use old ribbon mics? Do right. we want to use all... There's a lot of things to consider that are basically music production choices. And and not even... And, like, the, the composer and the director may not be thinking of those things at all. No. You know? Yeah. It's like, these yeah. are questions you have to yeah. raise in this process to be like, yeah. hey, should, should we... What what are we going for? Should we try and do this or exactly. is this not, you know? So I just say music producer, and then yeah. people finally get it and it clicks. So it's yeah. like I feel like there's just people because the name is just not familiar. They don't. They sure. kind of like go. Almost have to back like a music producer who does movies. Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. Like back when I do that, it. then people kind of get it. Yeah. Or if I'm showing pictures of me at a console, they're like, "Oh, he's engineering." Yeah. Now I get it. Like yeah. I didn't get it before. I don't know what well, Atmos is. Just start is. with score. Make sure it's yeah, like yeah. No like, context. What the fuck for, is yeah. that? What does that do? What is like, that guy what, for? What do you mean you mix it? Like, doesn't it just mix itself? Yeah. Like, they sure. literally yeah. don't get it. Like, yeah. they're just like, Wait, they're what? sound in movies. They're like, I don't get that. They're like, are you the person who? 
put who who is who's writing violin, you're the person who's playing the keyboard <laughs> right and i'm like so, well yeah because like they literally think that they, there's not much else to grab to right you know what yeah. i mean yeah. when they're thinking about it so i'm yeah. like yeah i think it's just simply a music producer and yeah. so when i have social media i can kind of get people to kind of understand a little bit more of like this is literally what I'm doing. It's not like anything weird. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. a million things yeah. you've you've seen. You get this. it. You just don't you've know. You've seen you get this before. It. You know yeah. Dre at the SSL console sm smelling the weed. <laughs> like that's basically what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like it's funny. <laughs> that's the studio. We're yeah. in that place all the it's time. It's extremely <laughs> difficult. I I mean I even find it hard on my side of things to explain <laughs> sometimes because it's like you know like. Well, like even in the studio, it's like, well, you know, like I, I'm kind of producing, you know, I'm kind of doing this stuff. I'm making a lot of sonic decisions. I'm giving, but like, I'm not making the song, but sometimes I do make the song. <laughs> so sometimes it's like, yeah, I do also do that. So just don't feel bad for telling people that you write all the songs. Yeah, it's, just, it's, just tell people, this that, is, it, just make it easy on yourself. This is the just music say, equivalent of somebody being like, <laughs> Like, oh, where are you from? And you're like, Philadelphia. And they're like, Philly, Philly? Like, well, no, outside Philly. <laughs> exactly. But if I say outside Philly, you're going to have no fucking clue. You go on this clue. long tangent. You're gonna, you're gonna be and like, then people Redding? are lost. Where is that? And you're like, yes, yes, <laughs> fine, Philly. fine, I'm fine. Philly, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> All right, so, we got to pee. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, Man, yeah, Jason, I'm gonna thank pee you so pants. much for being here. <laughs> Thanks for, it was uh, fun to get to know you live. Yeah, I, I, I love this. Conversation. I love bringing in uh, like different different things that people don't necessarily, like we said, it's, it's like all educational things. And there's somebody right now that is going to hit you up on Instagram. Yeah, and, hit him up. And for we're, like, we're shedding light. How do light. we do this shit? Like, I don't, where do, where's the start? You yeah, know? Absolutely, so, absolutely. And especially to have the start not being, well, I went to school, you know, because because that is baffling to mm -hmm. a lot of people. Everybody yeah. thinks that this. Yeah, we talk about this very much so. for sure. Yeah. It's funny. Again, so. I said it, but we talked for two hours. Yeah. But I have like I literally have other questions. Yeah, but yeah. Because Many. for my own sake, so I can pee. I'm not well, gonna ask. It's, <laughs> it's just like you know, you can be doing a bunch of shit at once, and and it eventually works itself out. I think that's yeah, the general stick. rule for me. Was just like, yeah, throw everything up at the wall. Let's yep. see what the something fuck happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just sort of was like, I don't know. I'm in a punk band. I'm doing yeah. this. It's like something will work itself out. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so that's what happens. Well, very cool, man. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, sorry, everybody, for the uh, unending technical problems. Oh, yeah, problems. this will be an interesting <laughs> audio Actually, episode. again, I don't care. <laughs> he takes don't it, he takes it comments, back. Actually, I'm not man. sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I don't give a shit. I don't care, man. You're lucky we're even doing this, you know? We're, we do care about you, though. Yeah, we we're care about you and so everything. Much shit for this. Uh, this has been a podcast. This has been a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for being I here. I got to pee. All right. Bye. Bye.